Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. It is the Uticast, episode 172, and this week we are joined by the Democratic candidate for the 119th Assembly seat for New York State, Marianne Buttonshawn is here joining us to talk about that. Also this week joined by Kate Riley of Maiden Utica, who stopped by for a little 10-15 minute session to talk about upcoming events at Maiden Utica. A bit of a group effort this week. Heather is back. Uh, Justin joins us for a little talk about baseball at the end. Uh, Kevin is here as always. Great show. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. Kanye West, uh, Lady Gaga, Venom, No History Lessons, good for you guys. Banksy, we're going to talk about the Ryder Cup, Kyrie Irving, all sorts of things all over the board this week. A big, strong group effort. We are happy as always, folks, that you are here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Folks, welcome back once again to the Uticast. I am, of course, am your host and producer, Sam Pamelaro, joined, as always, by Kevin Sullivan. Yes. Yes, <laughs> that, I wasn't sure if you were going to flow right over if I needed to say something. That's good. <laughs> so no, here good. I am. He, like, pointed to you. Yeah. And <laughs> returning after a week's <laughs> absence, uh, the one I missed the most. That's right. Heather Waz, welcome back. Hi. Uh, we missed you very much last week. I know, we're, I was sad. I, I was really actually sad I couldn't come. I mean, I would always say Did you listen to the show? I think we were saying nice stuff about you on the show. No, I didn't week. listen, but I'm going to go listen now. Okay. Uh, so. It was either uh, nice stuff or mean stuff. I can't don't remember. Don't start. <laughs> I can't remember. That'd be nice. Well, listen, we're, we're, we missed you very much. Thank so please fun. explain yourself to the audience for why you were not here last week. Because I didn't quite understand it. I, didn't I know. I, 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 my, um... My niece is in town from Colorado. Oh, very and it's nice. Has his niece, and it's we, he doesn't ever have like any cousins to play with, so they were coming mm. to our house for they wanted to that's stop fair. over our house. No, that's good. So I didn't want to leave. I'm just teasing. Does that makes sense. I just, you have you have motherly uh, responsibilities that I can't. I do. It's comprehend. weird. You can't. You guys can't. No, it's true. I can't. I can't understand. The, I've never been able to think that anything in this world is more important than myself. I thought so, that too. I thought Sam's over here like a little inside baseball. <laughs> I've never been a mother. Never be a little inside baseball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin. Speaking of inside baseball, what? Yeah, oh yeah, it's true. That, Tonight it's baseball. We'll get to, we'll get to that later on. I'm going to save that till the end. Okay, we'll talk about that at the end. Uh, Kevin, yes. we have you on a sort of a condensed schedule. You have a little bit, not too bad. We'll have, have time. We have band practice. Oh, tonight. I know. I, I heard. Do. I'm s- I do. I'm not jealous. I'm going to throw that out there, Heather. I'm not jealous really? that I'm not involved in this project. That I'm apparently. Uh, I'm unnecessary. I'm surplus oh, to requirements in this project. So you're all by yourself. All by myself. Oh my not gosh, invited. Kevin. Not involved. I mean, that's okay. You know, I, okay. I was a, I was a hired gun <laughs> here for this thing. You could have um, said you were a package deal. And inevitably, he said that. He could have said that, but no, he was thinking of just him. Just him. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, you know what? I'm striking out on my own. Uh, I had it with all you people. Heather, you don't until you can learn how to play an instrument. You have no opinion. And Sam, you will inevitably be in the band once Steve doesn't learn any of the songs and flames out and doesn't show up to practice. That's a great point. I can't so, do his lead solos, but I got those pipes. That's all right. Pipes. Those that's sweet, all sweet right. Pipes. Excellent, excellent backing vocals. Let me ask you this question. Uh, 
I'm only curious. Is this the first time you've played with these guys tonight? Uh, yes, this will be the first time we've gotten together to play. So it'll be interesting to see. First time's tough. We've got about 35, 36 songs on the set list mm. for this show that we're doing. Um, so we're going to try to get through the first third tonight. We'll see, though. It's the first time getting together. Um, for people who've played in bands, you know, especially, you know, when you're learning to doing, like, you know, cover songs, a lot of time will be spent between the two guitar players figuring out who's going to play what because a lot of songs have two yeah. guitar parts. Um but yeah, if we can get through you know seven or eight songs and get them down cold, some yeah. of the easier stuff, I'll feel pretty good about the first one. So we'll see how it goes. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Mm -hmm. You playing bass? I am. You singing? Uh, Are you singing? We'll see. Mm. There'll be an extra mic on stage, so there might be like some a few little like shouts and hums and whatnot. But we're good. We're yeah, good. Yeah. Should be all right. Uh, Heather, you said you went on a seventeen mile hike. I did. It's insane. I, I actually person. lost my IT band, my knee, on seven miles in. So you didn't know anything about it. You had to figure it out. In the I had to figure out how to get, <laughs> how to how to get how to get down the mountain <laughs> without dying. I don't have any interesting stories for you guys. I didn't do anything really interesting over this long weekend. I had. I had the day off today. And did you I, relax? Just chill. Sort of. I did our interview for this week with uh, Marianne Buttonshawn. Oh. She is running for the. Uh, she's a candidate for the. New York State Assembly, 119th seat. There's like a proper way to say that, and I always screw it up. There's like a proper order it's supposed to be in, right? Mm -hmm. Either way, she's running for New York State Assembly for the 119th district. Uh, she's the Democratic candidate. She was also a close friend of mine when I was working at MV, so it was really nice to talk to her. Uh, so she'll be our interview for this week. And also, a uh, quick check-in with uh, the queen, the Beyonce of Maiden Utica, Kate <laughs> Riley. Here, as always, spent a little 15 minutes talking about her thoughts about how everything's going and some upcoming events. We're still kicking strong with these events, Heather. Yeah, You've been yeah. killing it with getting these vendors We're in. I'm trying. <laughs> trying. Uh, and I wanted to say uh, real quick, I just want to get this out of the way because they were here last week. And in typical fashion, we didn't discuss it with them when they were here last week. Uh, the November 3rd event, Action Against Alzheimer's at uh, Handshake City is going on. That's a Made in Utica collaboration with Klein Chiropractic Sports, our good friends, Ashley Moody, uh, Nick Ungst. Uh, we were here last week. That's going to be uh, November four, uh, November 3rd, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Go to MadeInUtica.com. Uh, Kate and I are going to talk a little bit about it in the interview, so I won't dig too much farther into that. But check out the website. Go to Made in Utica or, Facebook, uh, or the Facebook page or any of Climb Cairo stuff. I'll link things. The Internet's weird. You can just type in stuff and find it in the Internet. Do you know that? You just type That's things in I don't Google. think a lot of people know that. I, I don't know. That. A lot of people didn't know that. <laughs> um, so I thought we had a – Kev, I, I'll, I'll leave it up to you, Kev. We, I thought we had a pretty concise – discussion last week about the whole uh the kavanaugh uh, controversy and jeff flake and all the things that led up to we discussed what, many things yeah yeah which inevitably led up to what we thought was going to happen which was they were going to confirm mm -hmm. brett kavanaugh and they did mm -hmm. um i mean are is anyone surprised either were you surprised no. did you think anything that happened I, I, I was hoping there was that little like hope that you would have at the end that something would turn around but Hmm. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I think the implications are scary for some people about what it means. And not even, like, the, what it means with, like, what he's going to do to, like, court cases. I mean the idea that, like, how... We're going to get into climate change in a little bit later where it was, like, climate denial sort of turned into climate apathy. And I hope mm -hmm. that's not what sort of happened here. It, mm -hmm. it turned into, like, we're going to deny what the happened. Pretty, and then it's just, like, it doesn't really matter that it happened. Well, we're going to do this anyway. Said it didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I already said that. That seems to be sort of the big <laughs> shift, I feel, about yeah. this stuff over the last few weeks. It's sort yeah. of a change from denial to apathy, which is disheartening in a different way. Um, I don't know. I don't have much more besides I'm sure this is not the end of what we'll hear about Brett Kavanaugh no. in the next 10 years. 20 years. Who knows how long? 40. 40. Yeah. Could be 40. Yeah. Um, so is that it? You want to move on from that? I'm done. I've got, there's no, there's not much productive conversation I think to be had yeah. about the subject really. 
we covered it quite a bit last week, and there's a lot of stuff everywhere about it. And I don't yeah. know. Can't that, miss it. I don't know yeah. that we could do it justice by giving it two minute sound bites. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit reductive, you know. Larger scale stuff like this sometimes is tough to talk okay. about in the smaller context of yeah. a segment, you know. So we'll get back into it at some point in time when it seems <coughs> deems itself relevant. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will rear its head somewhere down the line. Uh, and we'll get to it there. There was one really horrible story I guess we do have to talk about, which was the limo crash. Oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, I, you know, Kevin, you actually brought this story up to me, and I was doing some reading about it uh, today as we were getting ready. And as the story unfolds, it gets, like, worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, just this, this limo company having limos that are not up to code, mm-hmm. text messages coming out of the vehicle, terrible condition from me like, to talk. I... I this all seemed very avoidable from everything I read about oh, this, yeah. this yeah. horrible story. It's sad, too, like all these little... They had kids. Some of these people had children. Well, they were... Well, I saw on a, I saw on a GoFundMe for um, some of the victims. I think yeah. one of them couldn't be in the bride. But, like, these you know, these parents lost four daughters. And four of their daughters with their husbands. And, like, between those four daughters, and it was like five grandkids or something. So. It's just a whole... I mean, My you can't imagine broke. on on a celebration, a day of a wedding. You know, weddings are are always the happiest days. You know that people have, and just. I was a little bit, I had heard about it the next morning and I was immediately thinking about, you know, because my brother went to a wedding out in the Saratoga area. Mm. It was close enough near Albany and I was thinking, I'm like, geez, you know, I don't think it was, but I made a point. I texted him like, hey, bud, how was the wedding? You know, Mm -hmm. he got an answer luckily, but it really kind of highlights and puts into perspective, like, man, it's all it takes. It can be, you know... It was horrifying. So sad for these these poor, poor people. Yeah. I can't imagine. So if you see the GoFundMe uh, accounts anywhere and you have the means, you know, do, do what you can to help them out. Very, very mm-hmm. sad. Governor Cuomo had a quote today saying basically the limousine was a chop, ve- uh, chop vehicle. The owner of Prestige has lots of questions to answer. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, those are, it's a tough one. It's just a, it's just a freak story. It's so, so sad. D- it's so sad. It really makes it's you think so that, like, sad. I can't think of how many times I've been in, like, a limo or a taxi or some well, scenario that, where you put your life in somebody else's hand. Well, you don't really think about thing. it. Yeah. You think about it when you're, you know, when you're in a limo or some sort of a party bus or anything like that, like, nobody's wearing a seatbelt. You know no. what I mean? Like, nobody's, oh. nobody's hanging around, bouncing around, and, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take a lot. No, it's true. It's totally true. And, uh. Again, and you put a lot of blind faith in these people. Like, well, they they have a license. They're they're in a company. They're yeah. professionals. Yeah. They know what mm-hmm. they're doing, right? You don't really mm-hmm. tend to think about those kind of things once you've agreed to the business mm-hmm. transaction, if you mm-hmm. will, right? And I don't know that that could have been any number of limos anywhere, all over the place, and just mm-hmm. I don't know, tough stuff. Very sad. Uh, let's move on to something a little bit lighter and okay, get away yeah, from let's it. Let's do that. Uh, it's only sort of lighter. Uh, Kanye West and Taylor Swift all over the news again. As always. As always. They seem to be sort of forever linked together. Did you notice that? It, mm-hmm. Is that like a marketing? Is that part of the plan? Do you think they have like an inside deal where they're just like anytime one of us does something, the other one has to do the opposite? <laughs> uh, not not full on, but you know, do I think that both of those people mm-hmm. employ uh, publicists who are excellent at their job? I do. Uh, yes, that's great. That's you know a great I mean? point. Like I, uh, so who do you want to start with? You want to start with Taylor Swift? Do you guys want to start with Kanye West? Wh- whatever, whatever, man. whatever you, you want to do. You're the showrunner, yeah, producer, and host, okay. Sam Femalaro. So let's so. start. Let's start with Taylor Swift then. The the big story with the Taylor Swift thing is just that she actually came out and endorsed a politician, which is mm-hmm. something that she had been sort of like never done, never exactly. done, yeah, and yeah. kind of got knocked against it sometimes for like not standing up because she has such a voice. Yeah, yeah, right. And so she did endorse uh, a Democrat in this Tennessee Senate race. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a lot of takes about it on the internet the softest one is like oh this is gonna this is gonna ruin them i'm not, it's like i don't think it will guys yeah. uh 
I just wonder, how much power does Taylor Swift have in terms of her endorsement? I don't mean that in a joking way. I wonder, how many people does she reach is the question. Well, so I think there's two different things in what you said right there. Um, How much power does she have to influence what other people do? I think that's a question that, that you know nobody really has the answer to. But as far as how much reach and how large is the platform, that's that's colossal. And she you can know make a I mean? difference. She really, I mean, her saying something could make people vote with another way. She will idolize her. And, and <laughs> well, and certainly it's got a lot of reach. You know what yeah. I mean? Like she's got one of the the largest, loudest platforms that there is. You know what I mean? So. Uh, we'll see. I, it's interesting because if you're in a position of somebody like that, you know, I can definitely see the argument where it's like, well, listen, I'm not going to comment on anything either way, especially somebody who splits the line so much between country folks and other folks, you know what I mean, and really straddles, straddles the line and it appeals to a really wide fan base with a lot of different ideologies and stuff like that. I can see where it's probably not in your best interest to say something. Right. And so it's interesting. I'd be interested to know what the behind-the-scenes thought process was between her, her management, her PR people, and stuff like that to be like, hey, now's the time we're going to come and yeah. do something and say something, mm-hmm. and what the actual reasoning and the conversation in the room or office beforehand was. Mm. I'd be interested to be a fly on the wall there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and... And I wonder if she did it because she really believed in it. Well, that's always the question you like, That's the question just, you'll get from people who are like, she doesn't, this is all an elaborate, like, she's doing this. And, and again, there's probably something to that, too. Everything you do as a celebrity or as a public figure has some level of how can I get the most people to see mm. and respond to this, right? That's not necessarily a bad thing. It could be. But mm-hmm. that's just the way it works, right? Yeah. That's how you want the most people to respond to it. Otherwise, why would you make a statement in the first place, right? Um, so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Let's move on to Kanye for a second. So Kanye Kanye was interesting because Kanye was on Saturday Night Live two weeks ago, and he got a lot of press for, like, wearing a costume as a water bottle and having a really weird performance. And then also sort of holding the show hostage at the end of the show, like, giving a political rant. Yeah. Um, although part of me thinks, like, for Saturday Night Live, they should have known that. Like, every Kanye show, apparently, for the last two years has had at least two minutes of, like, maniacal ranting from Kanye in the middle of his performance. They it's probably not... they knew it. They knew it, and they knew that people would watch it. I mean, it's good business for No, them. because it was off the air. It was off oh. the air. They didn't show it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it went off the air, yeah, when that was going on. Mm. Trump, is, uh, Trump and Kanye actually reported to meet again this week, visiting at the White House on the 11th. Um, I just wonder what, why? <laughs> what are they talking about? He's is off it... his meds. Because he just said that he's off his bipolar medication. Mm. And uh, if you want a good commentary on that, go look at Pete Davidson's commentary on Kanye West from SNL. From SNL. It's um, it's it's yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a pretty full on jump in the shark. You know, a lot it of the is. a lot of the newest music hasn't been up to snuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Are you um, off Kanye? Is what you're saying? Because I'm I'm on what does what does off mean? Like, while I still listen to Dark Twisted Fantasy or College Dropout or Jesus and enjoy it, yeah, of course I will. I still love those albums, mm-hmm. and it's not. I've never quite been the type to be like, well, this guy's a jerk now, so I'm not going to listen to the album. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But has it made me much less of a Kanye stand, much less likely to defend him? Like, yeah. Feel the need? Like, when he was being, like, a jerk and, like, saying that stuff about Taylor Swift or acting crazy or whatever it might be, a lot of times I'd be like, well, you know, and actually stick up. Now I'm just like, whatever your opinion is, is your opinion. And I've got no reason to try to stand for it anymore. I don't think he's changing anyone's minds or anyone's really... Everyone thinks he's pretty crazy. They're changing right his minds about him, not about, yeah, like, but politics. not what his political bills... Yeah. Is, Political views. I can't talk today. Because it's all incoherent anyway. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think the problem with it, too, is I think for a long time that sort of, like, bold, like, narrative style, (laughs) that sort of bold, like, style of him just doing something wild whenever, like, an album was going to drop worked for him for a long time. He'd say something crazy or say something wild and people would talk about him a lot and then there'd be some album and you back it up. We've talked about this before. 
you, it sort of felt like that was happening. Like, oh, he's saying some wild stuff because this album's coming out, and he's maybe again he's just saying wild stuff because this album's coming out. But I wonder if there's diminishing returns to a certain sure. extent now. Yeah. Well, I, it also, like I said, it doesn't help that the albums are no longer what they once were. It's true. Yep. It's you know true. what I mean? I've heard the one or two advanced singles off Yandi. I listened to Yay had its moments, but mm. you know, even Pablo was a mess and was all over the place. And there's a lot of really transcendent stuff on there, but it. You can tell, like, you can't cohesively string it together anymore, mm. you know what I mean? And it's just, if the, it would be harder to let go of if the music was still the caliber that it was on the earlier albums that everybody loves, you know yeah. what I mean? The first four or five, whatever it was. All right. Got it. Good. So there you go. Kanye and Taylor, forever, forever in, entangled in this web of pop culture. Uh, let's talk about, I guess this has probably been the biggest story of the day. Have you guys seen that we only have until 2030 to stem catastrophic climate change, according to our scientists? Oh, gosh. I woke up to that this morning, and I'm like, I need to go back to bed. <laughs> it's, uh, it's dark times, because it does seem, like I said this earlier, it seems that we've moved from over the last four years, since, especially since like, Trump has come into office, mm-hmm. into, uh, yeah, into just being apathetic about, like, well, it's already... It doesn't matter. It's already doing it, so we're just gonna we're just not gonna care and pull back regulations. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's too late for us to fix said. it, right? That's what our president said. <laughs> it's very disheartening to me. And uh, again, there's a lot of science to this, but I guess we don't believe in science anymore. Basically, we've gotten two thirds of the way to what would be catas- uh, catastrophic uh, thresholds of uh, degree change across the planet. Uh, this is concerning for a number of reasons. A uh, number of reasons. I'm trying to go through here to find the breakdown. I don't know. This is just a really dark story, and it seems like uh, it's. I do understand the idea that it seems like it's too late to fix it because the first thing you do isn't going to fix the problem. It's like a long term fix, Mm -hmm. right? And it's hard to sell people on the idea of doing something that isn't going to produce immediate results, Mm -hmm. right? I don't know. I I don't really have much more take on this. This just seems to be the story that's all over the place. I just feel it feels very scary right now. Yeah, like, I feel scared. Yeah. I feel scared for my son. He's gonna be twelve when it all starts. <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. I so it's, I don't want to be fair. It's already started. Yeah, I, I mean, to say it's, when it's it starts, true. You know what I mean? No, like, but I mean, we, the more that it it took till now to become this public and be a headline like this. This problem, that's where I think for young people they need to they should be really angry, right? Because for you know a lot of stuff that's like an issue now is gonna get dropped on the doorstep of like these kids who are in like high school and middle school now. Like, this climate change is going to get dropped right on there. No, it's the kids being born right now. Yeah. Those I don't even want to have anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't know, you know, again, this is one of those things where I can, if I don't police myself, I'll just do a 20-minute monologue. Yeah, um, sure. That's not, you know, helpful or conducive to the show, really. But, you know, at, at least people are scared. Yeah, that's a great point. good. Because, you know, people wake up and pay attention to different things. And, you know, we shouldn't push towards apathy because that's not going to help anything anywhere. But we also, to put our heads in the sand and pretend that it's not happening and there aren't already, you know, things that are going to happen. Things are going to change. And, you know, maybe doom saying saying it's the end of the world is a little bit too much to get through to certain people and to say. But at the very least, everybody can kind of come together and agree, like, you know, things are going to be very different for a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's not... You know, a lot of people look at it as as an all or nothing, and there's a, I can't remember the name of the book or the author who said it, but it's basically this quote where it's like, you know, the collapse happened very slowly and then all at once. Yeah. And I don't remember where it is, but it's a really famous quote, so somebody probably knows the answer, but um, I just, you know, it's something to look at. Like, when you look around, you know, you hope that, you hope that people wake up to it, prepare themselves, see what goes on, and see what changes can be made, but if you aren't super hopeful about it, it would be tough to blame you. 
in typical uh, Sam Pamela fashion, I'm going to tie this back to either wrestling or New York City. Uh-huh. So I'm going to tie this back to New York mm-hmm. City. I look at the subway system and the infrastructure of what's happening with the subway, mm-hmm. right? Where they've waited so long to fix so many mm-hmm. problems that as they start to fix them, more and more problems arise and break down, and it becomes such mm-hmm. a mess to get back on top. You have to like fight mm-hmm. to keep your head above water, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, and that feels like what we're getting into now. It's Infrastructure gonna, as a whole, really. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, even just the subway. I mean, everything. You, know, yeah. you talk about. You look at the grades and the safety grades from civil engineers for all of our different roads and bridges and dams and waterways and stuff, and you can bury your head in the sand for, for as long as you want, but the longer you put something off, the bigger the problem is, and you eventually do. It's the same thing like your car is making a weird noise. And you're like, I'll let it go. It's making a weird noise, actually. Your car is making a weird noise, My car is making a weird noise, I know. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'll let it go, I'll let it go. And then instead of grabbing brake pads, it turns into you've got to get... Brake pads, drums, rotors, caliper shocks, and the whole nine because you waited and it only grew, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I was going to do a section about uh, movies, the biggest movies in in America right now, but let's uh, let's wait till we get till after the interview, uh, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Because uh, I do have two interviews this week. Uh, the first one uh, is with Democratic candidate for New York State 119th Assembly, Marianne Buttonshawn, uh, who joined me here. Again, I've known her for a really long time. So she's running to replace uh, Anthony Brindisi. Anthony Brindisi's seat. Yes, and okay. she's running against uh, Dennis Bova. 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 Mr. Bova. Bova. Uh, again, you know, uh, much like when Anthony comes on the show, I feel like it's important to say that I, I know this person outside mm-hmm. of the political world. Sure, yeah. Marianne was uh, very, very good to me and very supportive when I started working at MV mm-hmm. over there. She was very accommodating and she didn't have to be. And mm-hmm. I always remember that. And uh, when I heard that she was running for Anthony's seat, mm-hmm. uh, I was very pleased. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's She's a good woman. I don't know what else to say. Like she has a go to, go check out her website. It's got a really nice mm-hmm. about page. It tells a lot uh, of her story, which is so long that we really couldn't get into a whole whole bunch of it. It was most of the greatest hits here today. But check it out. She's been involved mm-hmm. in so much around the city, uh, around the community, at MV with education, with community outreach. She does a lot, and it was really nice talking to her. Uh, and then after that, we're going to talk with Kate. So two interviews in a row. So we're going to do two interviews, then we're going to come back? And we'll come back. Two okay. interviews, and then we'll be back okay. in, uh, in a little bit. Okay. appreciate that. And I, I just want to mention, for a lot of people who don't, who probably don't know this, you know, you were my boss, my temporary <laughs> boss for a couple, I didn't even know how long you were my boss. I got moved around a lot at MV when I was there, but you were one of the few temporary bosses I had at MV who sat down and actually had a conversation with me to talk about who I was and what I was interested in. And I really appreciated it at the time. And my, my temp work at MV didn't last too much longer after that. I got hired on somewhere else. But I wanted to thank you for taking your time out at that time when I was just a 
kid coming back from New York City looking for a job, and you were very accommodating and very great to me. So I want to thank you very much, Marianne, for that. Well, the feeling's mutual, well, I Sam. That. I can say <laughs> that uh, you were an asset to the college. Thank you. Thank you. And I uh, sincerely appreciate the mm-hmm. efforts that you put towards our department to ensure that it continued to grow. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about um, about running for this assembly seat, but I want to mention just quickly the MV stuff because I think it's important. Um, you know, I work in education now, and one of my jobs in the program I work for is to sort of facilitate for kids what their options are for college, where they can go, what they can do. What do you feel like, where do you feel like MV is right now as opposed to 10, 15 years ago in terms of people coming in, students coming in, how they feel about the campus? I think there's a certain mentality that kids at Proctor have specifically because it's so close. Mm -hmm. But I loved my time at MV and I think that it's one of those amazing campuses where you can, you get in what you put, you get out what you put into it. And I've seen people put so much work into it. How do you feel the campus is progressing over the last 10, 15 years? I think it evolves to meet the needs of our community. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we realize that college isn't for everyone. Yes. So what we have is a diverse programs that work on the non-credit side. Yes. As well as um, our ESL mm-hmm. is, has flourished, our um, remedial to support those yeah. students that might not be prepared. Yeah. So um, I can say that, yes, uh, since your time there, Sam, it probably... Sometimes it looks a little different on the face. Well, it's interesting, though, because when I was, just as I was leaving, I was noticing more and more uh, sort of discussion about a lot of the trade style courses, the HVAC courses, the drone stuff was just coming into place, and the motorcycle training courses, and the refrigeration stuff, and that is sort of an aspect of, like, career preparedness that I don't think we always talk about when we're prepping kids to, like, go to college and get a degree. Like, those are jobs that exist in the world and pay well and you can be your own boss and I don't think a lot of people in my position are accurately promoting the other options people have besides just going to get a four-year degree or a two-year degree there's a lot of options there yes and and I think that um, that's very important Mm -hmm. because we take a look at what are the needs our regional needs Mm -hmm. and all the the points that you just brought up whether it's HVAC whether it's drones whether it's um, just the basic technologies or needs within one's Mm -hmm. home is you find it is imperative that we ensure that we're providing that. And uh, those have to be there for everyone. And that sort of ties into this idea that I'm probably going to come back to a couple different times throughout this interview, which is the idea that when I look at politics and I look at the, the future of where politics are going and the people who want to be involved in politics, what I really want, it's hard when you're a young person to figure out what's out there calling you for candidates, what you want is someone who's not afraid of the future or afraid of progress or afraid to see where the where we're going and to find ways to facilitate that. I think the work MV does with that from a schooling level is very smart. Look, Don't be afraid to change things to apply to what's coming or what best benefits the people who you're, you're reaching out to. And I think I'm sure we'll come back to that point a couple different times. Uh, but before we get too far off track, because I have a habit of doing this, I want our, our, our listeners to know a little bit more about you, Marianne. Uh, I did a little bit of research, but I'll, I'll, I'll lean into it a little bit. Where were you originally born and raised? Uh, I grew up in Whitesboro. Whitesboro. So I'm mm-hmm. a lifelong resident of Oneida mm-hmm. County. Yeah. And um, the last 30-some-odd years, I've, I've lived in Marcy. Mm-hmm. My husband and I own and operate the Buttonshine Christmas Tree Farm. Very nice. I was going to ask you about that. That's yes. very whimsical. I like that. <laughs> yes. I definitely had a girlfriend growing up who, whose parents also owned 
a Christmas tree farm. And I got to spend some time sort of like running around Christmas tree farms when I was a kid. It's a very surreal thing when you're a little kid running around all the Christmas trees. Well, you're welcome to come back. It's really cool. I like it. Does it make you angry when you see people with fake trees? No. No, you don't mind. You don't mind. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, we kid with them. But mm, sure. And I'll do respect. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Were you an only child growing up or were you? No, I have four brothers. Four brothers? Yes. Are, they, are they all still around? Uh, all over. Yeah. Yeah, from Washington to Syracuse to locally. So, yes, I do have. Were you close with your brothers growing up? Absolutely. So, how do you feel? I always ask people this question. I grew up with two older sisters, but we were very far in age apart. I was a big gap between me and my two sisters. Growing up with five brothers, how does that like affect your personality growing up? Do you think it, it affected you in terms of who you are, what per- kind of person you became? Um, I Four brothers, but uh, four brothers, right, yeah, right, and I can say that I'm sure it, it helped me along the line yeah. to be a little bit tougher. Yeah, um, sure. sure. You know, there was mm-hmm. a predominantly household of, mm-hmm. of men, and, yeah. and I can say though, but... Um, my mom was a nurse, mm-hmm. so I mean she oh, okay. she worked yeah, long yeah, hours. hours. <laughs> yeah, so she, um, but we were we're not all condensed in age, but we're we're definitely sure. a, a tight knit group. My sure. dad is uh, Bill Goodman. Oh yeah, who, I read a little bit of the article about this. He worked for Whitestown as well, growing up. He he worked right. He's a, he's a history teacher sure. by trade, okay. and uh, okay. but he was involved as a town super or a town council, then a town supervisor, and now he's a Nida County legislator. Mm. Very nice. So, um, absolutely. Did you enjoy your time going to Westboro growing up, like growing up in that uh, area, the neighborhood? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just close-knit, a lot of great neighbors. Everybody mm. uh, looked out for each other. And Wonderful. if you were kind of going off on a stray, don't worry, the call came. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to ask you this, uh, just because I've noticed doing the review here when I was prepping for you to come in. One of the things that you seem to really be a proponent of is this lifelong pursuit of education. And this is something that we talk about a lot in education fields now. We don't want to just teach kids to be smart enough to pass the tests. We want to build this idea in their head that they can become uh, learners on their own, self-sufficient learners. And that's sort of this idea that learning is something that ends at school is kind of a is kind of a misnomer, right? Like I'm a 32-year-old man. I'm still in grad school, but I learn new things every day. Do you sort of feel like you know, you went to college in a, a lot of different places. You went to SUNY IT, you went to Binghamton, you went out to Northeastern. When did you decide or when did you realize that education was going to be so vital into the person you were and it was going to be the gateway for you? I, I would have to say at a very young age. Yeah. And, and to your point, Sam, I think that lifelong learners are, mm. are no matter what the area is, whether it's someone that is, as you had stated, fixing your air conditioning yeah. or your heating, it's a, it's a nonstop learning process. Mm. Uh, identify that absolutely I think that that should be instilled that was instilled in me as a as a young person I mean yeah. I can say that uh, um, both of my parents I was very fortunate as yeah. I said were professionals that worked very hard and I saw them work very hard um, does it mean that uh, education had to be no but right. it was something that was looked upon that would be an opportunity and help to explore those opportunities of interest uh, you've been involved in so many things locally. Uh, Utica Food Pantry. And either way, there's so there's a list of things you're involved in is is so long and so extensive. I'm not going to be able to get through all of it here. You folks should read her about page on the website, which is Marianne for nyassembly.com. I checked it out before you came in. <laughs> um, there are a few things I wanted to get into a little bit. Uh, one, so at SUNY IT, 
going into college, I think I got this right. You were initially interested in criminal justice? Yes, that's what my degree is. What were you thinking about at that time in terms of a uh, career or profession? Or were you just sort of interested in criminal justice? Right. It was, yeah. it was an interest. It was an area um, not specific to law enforcement mm-hmm. or anything of that nature. Just looking at the foundation yeah. that I could build on. And then it moved to a degree in public justice and then public policy. Okay. So um, the basically just moving in that direction yeah you just sort of follow the path along and see where it takes you yeah. and that's something that i think is scary for like kids that i talk to in high school when they get into mm-hmm. college and they're not sure what's there I'm like, just, you have to sort of go with the process like feel it out you will learn as time goes on you will learn things through the experience uh i want to get into the envy thing just very quickly one more thing because i do want to get into a lot of this politics stuff but it's really fascinating you started as a student intern at MVCC, and now you are the dean for the Institute of Emergency Preparedness and Public Services. That was a long one for me to have to prep before <laughs> you came here. How did that journey, like, did you know initially when you were interning that this was a place you wanted to be for, for however many years? No. No, not at and, all. And, that, and I think it's to your point, Sam, yeah. that um, you've got to let it, it grow organically mm-hmm. within and how it works with you depending on that journey. As you yeah. stated, you... Your journey brought you back to this area, oh, yeah. and we're fortunate to have well, you. Well, thank you. I appreciate but I, that. But I can say that that's uh, something that uh, continues to change. I am very um, adamant in my professional life to look at planning and strategic planning and looking at where an organization can grow and how yeah. it should grow or a community of that nature. Very good. But as far as individuals, I think that it, it, it moves right along. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... It, go back in time as a student intern and I would say that that probably wasn't something that I had thought sure. would, would automatically be there. <laughs> now, I gotta ask, this, as a guy, I'm 32 years old right now, I am in this weird spot in my life in terms of politics where politics, especially national politics, but local politics to a certain extent, we'll get to that too, but national politics are so negative, so overwhelmingly negative and there's so much coverage it seems like every aspect of our lives are sort of overtaken by politics, and it's such an interesting time. And I'm sort of curious, were you always interested in politics? Did you, is there a change that happened? What? Why did you decide that this was the time for you to get into this local politics world? And I can, I can say that, back to the point when you talked about uh, what I do within the community, yeah. uh, the word politics, I think, has become somewhat of a, a yeah. negative word. Yeah, it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of stigma attached mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. yeah. And I find that this is just another avenue to serve the community and to serve and work with great individuals mm-hmm. within this area. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to meet with elected officials in each one of the areas. Mm-hmm. The areas that the 119th cover is Utica, Rome, which are two mm-hmm. uh, cities and then the towns of Whitestown, Floyd, Frankfurt, Marcy. So what what you see is that within that uh, group of individual, I mean, I started this journey uh, as announcing last July, Mm -hmm. but I've always been a part of the community. And it's something that I find is just an extension with the education and experience that I have. Mm -hmm. um, I find that it it would just be a natural progression. Mm -hmm. As you stated, when we had first met, that's how I work with students, just to ask them... Mm -hmm. um, to be a part of this? Well, it's hard to know what people want if you don't know them. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's something I, I struggle with it with my kids sometimes at school. we got, like, 250 kids. And wow. there's a lot of kids, right? The way, this, the way the program works, there's just so many. And it's funny how much 
just the simple act of like knowing a kid's full name and saying hello when they walk in the door makes on a person just that idea that someone went out of the way to know something about something, even if it's a little thing, goes a long way and affects people. And and actually, you talked a little bit in your uh, about piece about sort of teamwork as something that's very important as a concept for you, saying that the best way to work is to work as a team. Uh, this is actually something in education and politics that I think is harder to see in action nowadays. Mm-hmm. I grew up with, I have lots of kids in my education program who we asked them this question, which is, would you prefer to work solo on a project or work in a group? And weirdly, a lot of kids will say solo. I don't know why. Because it seems as when you get into later levels of college, the professional work, uh, teamwork is sort of the thing that makes things work together. And I, you probably have a better idea of that working in education as well at like the higher levels. It's hard to, to do everything by yourself. You have to be able to trust the people who are on your team and facilitate for them. Exactly. Yeah. And I can I could say that I've never done anything alone. I've yeah. had to have a team, had a part of it, just mm-hmm. as uh, you had stated when you and I met. Yeah. I mean, we spent some time to get to know each other mm-hmm. to find out, you know, where assets are, where mm-hmm. um, different concerns might be so that we can work together mm-hmm. and complement what we have uh, within one another. Um, I do find that your, your, um, your point is spot on in regards to working in groups. Yeah. I still see it at the college level. Um, yeah. Well, I think the, one of the things I've noticed as I've gotten farther in it, right, is, and I'm in college, I'm in grad school now, and most of my grad school classes, they just sort of will give you this project, and then here's like, you and four of the people can go sit in a corner and discuss this. And a lot of kids don't like it. I understand why, because it's like, well, I could do this all myself, it'd be done quick. But I think when you get to the real world, not only are you forced to work with other people, you're also forced to work with whatever people they tell you to work with, not exactly. just the people you enjoy working. That's like a weird life lesson that we've sort of lost over the years is like learning to work with people you don't get along with. And again, it's funny how the education and politics stuff sort of falls along the same lines. But that's like a major life goal that I think a lot of people don't think about or a major life skill to learn. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um I think that we've all been taught to respect one another. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean in, in within the world of government mm-hmm. is that that is so important mm-hmm. to make sure that we are respecting one another, respecting uh, when we work with one another, as you stated, mm-hmm. you do it every day. I do it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, we would never uh, degrade someone. We would never act in a manner that would identify uh, inappropriateness mm-hmm. because that's how we are as professionals. Exactly. And I think that... Um, within the world of the political world, that has to be. It has to be something that's very important, and it has to be. Now, I want to ask you a couple questions about, um, well, about two politicians. Uh, first off, let's talk about Anthony Brindisi for a second. He's been on this show uh, about four times. I actually spoke to him earlier this week. I'd love to have him. I'm trying to get him come back on before the uh, elections in November. Running for this seat... Being in the Democratic side of things, how closely have you gotten to know him? Have you worked with him in the past? Has he been supportive of you taking over or running for this position? Yes. Mm. Um, I've worked with him for, for many years, mm. and it's always been a positive uh, working relationship. I find it very important um, to work with everyone. Mm-hmm. That's what I have done uh, at the college now. I One of my major uh, roles is to create partnerships. Mm. And those partnerships are to work with different agencies and organizations within the region and without outside the region mm-hmm. also um, to ensure it meets the best needs of our students. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony did call me last June mm-hmm. and told me that he was going to be making this change and 
um, asked me to consider this run because he felt um, that we are similar in many of our beliefs. Yeah. And uh, within that aspect, he would look forward to continuing a working relationship. And one of the things that he's always brought up to me is sort of the big difference between local politics and national politics. Whereas, you know, if there's a good chance on national level you don't really know the person you're running across from. But for someone like him, even now in this race, he knows Claudia Tenney personally. Have you noticed, you know, you're running against, is it Dennis Bova Jr. is the name? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any connection with him? Did you know him in the past? Is it someone you were even familiar with beforehand? Or? No, no, it isn't. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've met him at... Uh, I met him at a yeah. neighborhood watch meeting, mm-hmm. but no, um, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> no, I'm curious because I think with local politics, it's tough, right? Because in local politics over the years, I'm you know I'm a card carrying Democrat. I, I registered to vote when I was 18 because my high school economics teacher told me you have to register as a Democrat or a Republican or you can't vote in the primaries. That's pretty much what they said. So it's like either way, just pick one, whatever right. you want to do. Um, but I do notice that at the local level the difference between quote-unquote Democrats and Republicans is much less defined because you're so local, you're so close to people. You you tend to know people in the area who are of different places. And I think with local politics, you're sort of looking for something different. You're sort of looking for someone who, again, who's not afraid to make, to look to the future, to be progressive, but also responds to the to the neighborhood around him. I think Brindisi's done a really good job of that in terms mm-hmm. of, like, not... Picking one side, just knowing what the people in this region want to, what's interesting to them, what's exciting to them, what's important to them, and sort of tying into that. Have you sort of, have you seen the build up in terms of support coming out? Like, what kind of support have you seen so far this year in terms of people coming out and supporting you, getting behind this movement? Well, again, I think the, the key that I've probably knocked on um, mm. over a thousand doors, oh, and yeah. I will continue to do that. It's a great that. point, actually. Uh, and, and I hear two things. Back to basics. Mm-hmm. They're just looking for uh, the thought process of, as you and I talked earlier, being able to work in a group and mm-hmm. work with one another. Yeah. And the second aspect of the clear definition, are you willing to work with everyone? Mm-hmm. And as you stated on the local level, how could we not want to work with um, our town supervisors, our city council, yeah. our mayors, to ensure that we're getting what is needed, the exactly. resources that are basically we have to have. Mm. And I would be that liaison. I'm the person that's supposed to work with local to make sure that the, the resources are coming from the state. And I, I find that um, that's what I'm hearing. I, I guess the, the most important aspect, this isn't about me, Sam. This is about the people that I'm going to represent. Exactly. And as a professional, that means that I need to listen to what the needs are mm-hmm. and then work to bring those resources. Whether you're, um, I know your your teacher told you, you there was only the pick two. but uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. There really is a, a lot of individuals within the independence and no party um, because they're confused, they tell me. They say, I'm not sure who's who, so can you work with everyone? Can you ensure that you can put those personal um, disagreements, possibly, or whatever it might be aside? So I just got to ask, um, and again, I, I don't want to get cowtailed down in the in the muck of it all, but in the current world we live in, right, with the... with. Supreme Justice, uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh getting uh, set up earlier this week. After all the controversy, this is a year where there's every article I'm reading in terms of all the the left leaning uh, 
uh, news is saying this is the the year of women. This is all. There's so many more women coming out to campaign to be part of the political system. Is that something that resonated with you? Did you notice it, or did you just felt like it was time anyway? Didn't have as much to do yeah, with that. I think it was. I mean, it, it just stated. I um, when you just look at who is in office and how they're doing, mm. and and the support that they were bringing to yeah. the community, and at this time with a, a seat opening up mm. with Anthony. Uh, moving to, to the Congress seat is we look at the importance of what could be provided and, and what needed to be. Um, I can say that uh, when, you, when you talk about, in fact, the, the governor's legislation on women equality, yeah. it's, it's something very important. It's something that I've spent years in the classroom discussing, um, glass ceiling. Um, yeah. I, I find that there, there's so many different areas that are, are so important to our community. I mean, and I, I appreciated um, this legislation because it, it, it takes a look at, you know, fair pay, um, making sure the equality's there. I think the key point on human trafficking was something that was very, uh, as always, I've had a couple speakers at the college. Underreported sometimes, not something everyone yes. always talks about, yeah. And you're right. I mean, yeah. we have just recently a young lady uh, that is missing and another one that they found her body. So I find that, um, I don't think it was just, you know, newsflash, this is the year of women. I think it was just mm. as, as looking at it professionally and uh, with the educational foundation I have. What I think is important about that, too, is we, I tend to see this over the last few years. As a country, we get angry in moments of, of overarching negativity, whether it was all the school shootings and there was this big outcry against the NRA and guns. And then this Kavanaugh hearing, there's this huge outcry against all these things. I, what you want is for that outcry to facilitate real change and not just be something that gets worn off as time goes on. And then in a few years, something will happen again and we'll rebuild this conversation again. I think we're getting to a point in time now in this modern sort of digital era where people want to see results. They don't want to have an argument about it and then have it fade away and then have it come up again 10 years later. I think people want to see real results. They want to see real change happen, and it's been frustrating from a, from, a, from my aspect watching. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I think that the other point of that, and again, October 12th is the last day for voter registration in this uh, state and county, folks, yeah. so get on it. I think the most important thing that we try and promote on this show and with my students is the is voting is so crucially important and you can sit here and you can go on social media or you can talk to your friends about all the things you'd like or dislike but unless you actually make your voice or go out and vote it's all kind of moot is it not like what we're really hoping for in this 2018 elections these midterms is to see people come out and vote i think that's really the end goal is it not yes, yeah. yes. and i think what you're doing here is providing informative voting mm. and i i find that um i had the opportunity i was in a classroom uh last week and, and it hasn't changed much, Sam. It's, it's still, um, you know, two out of 30 students are registered to vote. Yeah. And, you, and you ask yourself, as you stated, please get out and vote. And, and please be sure that, um, you know, you can be informed what you're doing here with so many other, there's so many outlets that can give you that information that would provide you with the knowledge to vote for an individual. And what, and what drives me even crazier is I see this all the time. People only think about voting on the national scale. So I know a lot of folks, especially when I was living in New York, you have this concept where it's like, oh, I live in New York. This happened in New York when I was voting in 2012, the second Obama uh, term. You know, It was like, well, I'm going to go vote for Obama, 
but I also live in Brooklyn in New York City. So I, he's going to win regardless. It di- those were the moments where it's like, well, I do feel like this vote is just uh, a drop in the bucket, but it's the local elections. It's those regional district elections where you can really have an impact on the outcome. I, I voted in the primaries for the, the most recent um, Democratic primaries. And when you look at the results... The difference between winning and losing in these local elections is very small. Very small to the fact that we really could impact a lot of change if people who were registered to vote would get out for not just the national ones, not just the big ones, but for all the local elections. That would really help facilitate change in my mind. So, there you go. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, in that, I think that um, this is from an educator's perspective, I, I've spent so much time talking mm-hmm. about the importance of the local issues affect you. Yeah. If not more, oh, I mean, yeah. just similar to what you were, you know, because you were bringing garbage to the curb when I got here, and you yeah. knew. No, but seriously, yeah. what day? Um, what? Could, how it has to be mm. packaged? You know, it's it's just we because we're so connected. I think, and I think that's one of the big things that throws people off because we're more connected as people than we ever have been. We tend to think on these big global terms when in reality we really should be focusing on the smaller insular terms, at least initially before we feel like we should reach out into this large, gaping maw of the rest of the world. Uh, I want to just bring a couple of things up, because I know I, I don't want to keep you too, too long, and I've already gone about longer than I thought I would. Um, <laughs> I have a couple, two things I want to mention before we get into the lightning round questions. Uh, one, I really enjoy, again, I really like the website. You did a really nice job uh, in your About section, giving a really detailed build-up about what you were interested in, uh, what's on your mind. Uh, a couple of the outcomes you talked about, there are three specifically. One was guiding the establishment of the fire and police academies. Uh, second was creating numerous professional development opportunities. And three was growing nationally accredited cybersecurity programs. These are three of the big points. Which of those things do you feel like in Utica in general is the most like vital right now? Uh, or in this area? Not just Utica. It, I hate to say just Utica because I, I get no. caught up thinking just Utica. No, but no, in, no. And, yeah. I, and I think, Sam, I, when you look at it, if you continue, and I mean, you're talking about what I've done, yeah, and yeah. part of what I, mm. I, I see as important, yeah. is the professional development within all those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find is everything is interrelated, mm-hmm. and it's very important to look at everything within a um, global perspective. Mm-hmm. So when you're saying which one, is it? they're, they're all related. I have, Interconnected, well, yeah. Well, and I have the three prongs as far as an individual feeling safe. Mm-hmm. If, if you feel safe, whether it's in your home, whether it's at your workplace, you can build on that. And then bringing in education, training, professional development, whatever it might be, as we had talked earlier on, and then to ensure that there's the growth of the economy within the region to ensure that they all relate. And I find in it, and again, it, it's so important to look at everything for within that global perspective to say, how do we ensure that this community can be what it provides for you. And what you like versus what someone else likes could be two different things, but that's within that global perspective. I do take the approach somewhat as is, uh, someone that is going into government is somewhat like a, um, the same questions have to be answered as that to that real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So what type of schools are you looking for? Uh, how much can you afford? Is What type of cultural events are within yeah. a community what's what can i do socially on the weekends huh. so when someone comes to this area and they start asking these questions then it, it defines what our region is so it, it, it's not that i'm going into real estate but it's real estate for 
the region to see nice. that each one of those I like questions. That. I like that. Uh, of course, we're talking to Marianne Buttonshawn, uh, Democratic candidate for the 119th Assembly seat in New York State. Uh, election is November 6th. 6th. I have yeah. it here. Tuesday, November 6th, general election. We certainly hope you get out there and vote. Uh, I, I don't Thank you, Sam. I just wanted to let you know I also am endorsed by the Independence Party. Yes. I uh, also you got the AFL-CIO endorsement. Uh, yes. So that's that's got to be an interesting concept, too, to have these people reach out to you and endorse you. That's yeah. got to be a weird feeling, right? Like, just it, just to know that there's these people who are backing you and have, you know, the best intentions of the area in mind by supporting you, that's got to be an honor a little bit, right? It is. And I mean, and it, mm. there's slowly other... Um, unions that I have met with and had mm. the same conversation. Mm. Um, so I, I, I find that it is. I, I it, it is very rewarding, probably the most rewarding aspect of, of this process of over about 18 months has been meeting so many people and, and meeting, you know, with you again, Sam. I just find it. No, I do. I find that all of these conversations are... are, are I did go door-to-door up and down your street here. I mean, I... I don't think you were home the day I was here. No, but, but you know what? Though it's funny that you say that though, because I actually ended up voting for a guy in one of the last elections because he was walking up and down the street. We had a conversation with him, and he ended up talking to this person. You go, well, you know what? I I like this guy, right? And it's funny that in this digital world where we are so connected by all the technology, the impact that simple like face to face, having yes. a handshake, having a discussion, having a conversation, which again is the whole point of the show, does to help people know more about you to understand who you are and not just what's the three like pinpoint things I want to let the world know and that's it yes. right um, I gotta ask one last question before we get to lightning round questions if you get onto the assembly will you be able to keep your job at MVCC I don't think that would work well you don't think it would work so you, you'd have plan. to yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think that uh, working in the assembly is full time right. I find it full time I realize it isn't mm-hmm. I mean the way the process right, is right. set up sure. but I don't think well, I could. It's got to be. They'll be sad for you. I feel like you've been there so long. <laughs> well, I think that just back to the point, as you yeah. stated, when you sit with your students, that everything is evolving and mm-hmm. throughout your life, throughout mm-hmm. career, and every door that opens is a new door. Um, and everyone, I'm sure, they can find someone that can carry on what <laughs> I've done. So. Uh, Again, folks, check out the website, Marianne for nyassembly.com. She's on Twitter, Instagram, uh, SoundCloud, Facebook. We'll link everything after that. It's all over with. Uh, very quickly, I know I've kept you longer than I planned on. Um, i got some quick lightning round questions for you, if you don't mind. We tend to do these with everybody who's been on the show. Um, so, uh, I'll start with this. Marianne Buttonshawn, Dean of the Institute of Emergency Preparedness and Public Services at MVCC, Democratic candidate for the 119th District New York State Assembly. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? I take it with a little bit of raw honey. Raw honey. Yeah, Very. we have bees. So. Oh, we have, we have bees on site. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> bees are one of those things in my like. I'm not afraid of a lot of stuff, but I whatever it is, I'm like irrationally uncomfortable about bees. I think because I've never been stung and I have no idea if I'm allergic or not. I almost okay. Need, I need to get stung to find out. No, we don't. <laughs> we'll keep you. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, Unless you want to come trim some trees. Hey, listen, I'm always I'm always down to help out. It's getting okay. time. It's getting cold now, isn't it? You're getting toward the end of the year for this. I feel yes. like we're like two weeks away from snow. Are we not? I, feel, well, I don't, I, I don't want to say it, but I feel like it's coming. Uh, Mary, what was your first automobile? I had a um, Dodge Dart. Dodge Dart. <laughs> they, make, they make those again now. I think they're back around. They're back. They're around. back around. They make darts. So what again. are you telling me, Sam? 
Go ahead, you're back easy. You can get a new dart. That's good. Well, you may or may not have taken your Dodge Dart to see it. What was your first live music event? Hmm. That one is, I'm sure it was local, so I, yeah. I can't recall. I'm sorry. That's all right. No worries. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Oh, I got a few going on. Um, I do read quite a bit on leadership, mm. so the new Covey book. Oh, okay. Um, Very nice. But as far as, uh, I don't watch much TV. I, I really say, you probably don't have as much free time now as you once did. No, so a lot of uh, more just uh, probably Capital Tonight mm. at 8 o'clock is, mm-hmm. is something that I find. Um, Do you try and stay away from like the like the MSNBCs, CNNs, like Fox News of the world? It feels very toxic when I go on. It feels very poignant when I watch a lot of that stuff now. Yeah, probably in little doses. Yeah. I mean, um, as, as you stated, I, I, I spend more time out. I looking at uh, just various uh, local, yeah. just to see yeah. um, the legislative uh, discussions. And again, I think I think that's great. And again, if you look at all the stuff that you've been involved in over the years, I think people like you who involve themselves in the community because you know it's the right thing to do, that it's the good thing to do, that helping this community in turn builds everything else in the community around it. Those are the kind of people we do need to help guide us in the right direction. And uh, I think that's great. Think that's Thank amazing. you, Sam. You're very welcome. I have one last question for you. This is our last lightning round question. Uh, I'll skip the dinner one because we've already gone longer than I planned on. Uh, besides education, besides politics, uh, besides being an active part of this community, what is one more thing that you, Marianne Buttonjohn, uh, are passionate about in your personal life? I would say children. Children, Because yeah. I, I want to ensure that that mm-hmm. uh, progression um, I can say when we have our career fairs, mm-hmm. I love bringing the primary education students there. Um, we had fourth grade, mm-hmm. and the only reason I said the kindergarten class didn't come is they were busy. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, yeah. I think that our children mm-hmm. need the most, um, whether it's uh, the mentorship, whatever, whatever needs to yeah. be done to ensure that they can carry on what we've seen and they need to as your point when that student comes to you and says gee i really don't know what i want i'd like to see it within primary education i was all excited about the dinner <laughs> question uh well if you want the dinner question i'll pull it up for you it's uh if you could have dinner with any person living or dead who is not your family who would it be my answer is, since you're buying, Sam, I'm bringing eight people to this. Eight table. people, I love it. No, I'm good. I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> I, I find that uh, the diverser the group, mm, the, sure. the more yeah. insight I, I find. Mm. I don't have just one person. I can't say that there's not a time that I don't sit down and have a conversation and meet with someone. Um, I spend a lot of time through the food pantry at the Veterans Outreach mm. Center. Probably the most rewarding group of individuals, just hearing... Uh, what has gone on in their lives and, and, and how they continue to, to move forward and, and work hard. Um, I can say that um, I, we installed fire alarms uh, two months ago. I brought my daughter with me, yeah. and we were going into When you're in someone's home and they're so welcoming. Um, That's one thing about the region, too, is for all the, you know, and even if you look at, like, just the, the ads that go back and forth with Brindisi and Tenny right now, there's that negative like, demeanor to it. When you really get into the the crux of who people are, I've never really met people around 
here, even people who don't agree with me, there's there's signs down the road that are different than the signs that are in my front yard, but I don't know any people who are at it, agri- you know, aggressively looking for conflict. Most people just want to be uh, happy with the lives they have and and be positive with the people in the world around them. And that's and that's really all we're looking for, I think, yes. sometimes. No, I, I sincerely appreciate it, Sam. I know this Fair. time today. No, listen, I appreciate it, too. Again, I, I'm glad we were able to get you on. Uh, folks, again, register by October 12th if you're not already registered to vote. General elections, Tuesday, November 6th, 2018. Uh, I, of course, will be voting uh, for Mary Ann for New York State Assembly in the 119th District. I think you'll be excellent. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. I first came back to Utica, and I was like, I couldn't find work, which is, which was like something I'd never really dealt with. I remember with your struggle. Yeah, I didn't want to wait tables. I was so desperate to mm-hmm. not go back to waiting tables, and then I like immediately went back to waiting tables. Um, but one of the first things I did is I went to like a temp agency, and I got a job at MV, and they kept like bumping me around different departments. I was in like the STEM center, and then I was in um, oh god some other building for like 10 minutes and then you're like, no, you know what? We're going to move you somewhere else like immediately. And that third place I moved was Marianne's department in like the administrative buildings. And she was like the nicest lady. Like yeah. she pulled me into her office. I was just some like temp, right? And she's yeah. like, so what's up? What are you doing here? Why are you here? And was like talking what's to me. Up? <laughs> no, she was really, like, she actually seemed genuinely like intrigued to talk to me. And ever since then I was like, oh, what a cool lady you was. And like yeah. within like a week I got like let go from MV because I don't yeah. need temps anymore. Yeah. And she always was, like, very sad about that. She was yeah. like, they made a mistake. And I was like, well, thanks. I appreciate that. But that's okay. We had a nice conversation. It was good to have her on. Yeah. It's good to have you on, Kate Riley. Thank you. Uh, I don't I don't add up your numbers when you come on because you're such a regular part of the company. Yeah, mess. Yeah. No, because well, it's, like, it's like, you know, you're part of the team. Yeah. Right? But uh, you're probably up there with, with people who've been on the show four or five times now. You're getting, I should get you a small, like, regular person's trophy, like, regular yeah. guest trophy. Yeah. How's things? How's life? Good. You know, it's nice. It's finally slowing down a little, a little bit. You know, that's uh, that's something I, I cleaned I was, my house know. for the first time since summer <laughs> yesterday. I did that today. I had to take the day off for it. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's vacuumed in here for yeah. the first time. You have all the dogs at the house now too. It mm-hmm. must be a nightmare. It's a total to nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's a total nightmare. And you know, we've been so busy over the summer that it was. You know, I would go right from from work at New York Sash right to the park and get home late and try to cook a dinner and maybe, you know, you know, take the dogs for a walk or something. And then next thing you know, there I had like two dining room tables in my dining room for like <laughs> at least two and a half months you know you know i think it's funny too and I, and I should say it like whenever i talk about the park with people and i say like, you know, like this is amazing this came together one of the things one of the talking points is always like you know it wouldn't have worked if we didn't get so many like volunteers mm-hmm. to ju- come in and just help and surprising how many people just volunteered and it certainly was but i also think it goes underreported how much time <laughs> you and justin spent <laughs> driving around between like a that lot. location and those houses do you feel oh, now man. that we're almost like a month and a half away from when it opened? I'm trying to think of the date. I don't uh, know. August 25th was the get down. September. So that was like the big, um, our lease started like the end of 
June. So mm-hmm. I would say July 1st is when yeah. we were first in there. So July, July August, September, three, three months, three full mm-hmm. months. Did you realistically think that uh, things would have gone? I would say, because in my outside opinion, I don't see it as much as you guys do. I feel like every event so far that we've held down there, whether it was the actual downtown get down uh, or the book fair or the, uh, what was one we had right before that, the Barks and Brews. Barks and Brews. All yeah. of it was really, I thought it was well received for oh, the most yeah. part. Oh, yeah. Did you expect it to be so well received? None of this is the way I anticipated. <laughs> not, not a single part of it. You know, I think back to like February when he first, Justin first messaged me with this crazy idea, mm-hmm. and you know, everyone thought he was crazy, and like what we had developed and planned, and um, and not in a bad way, but it's just it's morphed into something so different. We had no. Oh, yeah. We had no idea that, you know, um, we would have access to the warehouse, which is is the old Messy building, um, which has sort of um, made this whole project just change into something completely different to have that supplemental, like, almost, you know, it it, it is a warehouse, but it's it's almost like a venue sort of space. I would almost, you could get away with calling it an art installation, almost in a weird way. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it reminds me of something that you would see. I've said this to Kevin off the air. Reminds me of something you would have seen in New York City, where mm-hmm. it's not like a venue, but it's just like a location it's with like art on the open, wall. Yeah, it's an open space. Yeah, <laughs> and then even the containers. You know, it's um, it's interesting that the struggles we've been having. Like Heather is doing so awesome with mm-hmm. vendors, but we're still stuck a little bit in Utica in a time where where it's not quite what we were anticipating. We were anticipating open this opening this sort of like like marketplace, like um, strip mall sort of thing. And right. it's much more become um, event-oriented, which which I'm okay with because I'm great at planning right. events. So, you know, we get people down there for events, then we bring the vendors to people at the events, whereas originally it was going to be more of like a standalone yeah. sort of market. That that becomes a whole other thing. I think in a weird way, and at least thinking about it just now as we're talking about it, I think the event situation is easier to manage. It oh, becomes, it totally is yeah. because you can come up with themes and concepts and sponsors yeah. and you know how much money you're gonna take in are you gonna cover your entertainment costs Mm and um you know it's i think it's been fun to plan because um like even the book jam uh thing we did a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. it's just it's just something different and it's cool to have people be like wow this is so different or like the barks and brews and like you you know you you don't have things like that right now in utica so even if the container park itself isn't what we originally planned Mm -hmm. it's still really rewarding to like see this um, event culture pop up and I think that we can still get to the container park market eventually. There's no rush right this moment. I think honestly with this type of undergoing you almost just sort of have to roll with how it flows. It seemed like it was going in one direction and you just sort of follow it that way, right? I, I, I think that just the space itself is so interesting and vibrant and it brings a nice flavor to anything you put in there. Like these... Mm -hmm. A lot of these vendors we've dealt with before, but something about having them set up in this location at the event gives it a nice feel and gives it oh, a nice yeah. flavor. And I, I do, I do really curious. Well, we do have events coming up, and I do want to talk about those yeah. too. But I'm very curious for what happens next year with a full round yeah. of the summertime. I won't lie; I think a lot of people are sort of um, just kind of watching us and and yeah. seeing you know what happens and. Uh, you know, what we turn into. Uh, I think that's why the warehouse is so nice because we can keep getting people yeah. down there in the winter. You know, if we have another December that it's 50 degrees, mm-hmm. we can we can still operate the park. And, you know, um, and that's one of the things that's been different too. You know, we I felt bad, you know, after the get down because we were like, oh, the park is going to be open every Saturday and every Sunday. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, it hasn't been quite like that, but but I think with the events, it's okay because the, the weekends have been bigger. You know, like Barks yeah. and Brews was Sunday only, but it was a, a big deal. Well, so you could, I would say, and I'm, I'm, it was almost as big as the first event. I think the biggest yeah. takeaway I had from that is that people love events for dogs. They do. <laughs> we could do any event with and dogs. The whole idea came from the downtown get down yeah. when we you look around and people just had their dogs, you know, all over the place and hanging out, enjoying it. So um, it was a. Uh, a, a good um a way to like kind of segue into barks and brews where it's like all right people want to bring their dogs here let's make a whole event around yeah. it now i gotta ask you this question because i thought you guys did a really nice job especially with that event sort of finding specific vendors to fit that event and that must have been tougher because you have this sort of theme to tie into it have you noticed a change and now that you've had a couple events are vendors more willing to like come in now oh, that you've yeah. seen that it's working already yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, it's it's nice that we have a couple regular vendors. So we have um, Maria doing her art, and then and we have the um, Sweet Escape that's been mm -hmm. there with um, goodies and uh, coffees, and then we have Hippie Soul Soap, who mm -hmm. has the soap and bath bombs. Um, it's really great that those three have sort of uh, committed to more yeah, of, of like, um, yeah, um, being there regularly, but... Um, you know, we have the fall festival this coming Sunday, the Falling right. for Utica festival. And so with that, like a lot of people who were originally interested, but didn't commit at the time are now reaching back out being like, okay, mm -hmm. I want, and like, it's, you know, I want to, I want to be a part of this, this event. And that is this Sunday. That is, I'm trying to do the math in my head. That's six days from now. That is this, yeah, this Sunday, the 14th. 14th. Um, very nice. And we got a lot of cool stuff planned. Um, you know, we, we've figured out that 12 to four is a good time frame. Where is the frame? That's it's the <laughs> it's a good. Everything's been told to four because it just seems like you still hit people who um, can are either doing stuff earlier in the day or have stuff early in the day. I want to come after. Um, so it's twelve to four. We have the usual, you know, vendor stalls. Um, we have our common roots playing, which is nice. kind of cool because I like those guys. Um, yeah, we did some stuff with them a couple of years ago when they were first starting out. So it's nice to see the the full circle come mm. back around with them. They were booked, I think, during. Get down because yeah. I know we reached out to them at some point. Yeah, for get down. yeah, which is awesome to see that they're um, they're booking like crazy. Yeah. Like good for them. And then um, we have a puppet show for kids, which was a, a huge, huge hit. hit. I yeah, was really surprised. It. it was awesome. No, I don't want to say I was surprised in a mean way, but like you know, you don't know. You're like, okay, let's puppet try this puppet show, puppet show thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we we're gonna have uh, some um, pumpkin carving. So nice. like nice. actual Mark Anthony. From um, formerly of Sculpture Space, who's, oh, yeah. who did a lot of the cuts for us, and it's going to be doing some some really cool pumpkin carving, nice. and we're going to have games, and I bought all kinds of Halloween treats and stuff like that. So that'll be something that's good for everybody. Have you? Uh, speaking of which, have you come up with a Halloween costume yet? I'm totally no. And I I really um, you know, last year I was Dwight from The Office. And that was I, a great one, by the I, way. Uh, I feel like I'm never going to top that. <laughs> so part of me just is like, oh, why, why bother? <laughs> I made a mistake one year, which was me and Dano did the box robots. I remember that. And that was the best costume I've ever done. And since then, every costume. You're just like, oh. Uh. Yeah, I don't have that kind of effort in me anymore. Um, what was I going to say? I did have anything. Uh, I guess we've... We've covered a lot of stuff. Oh, there was one more thing I want to talk about. Our good friends over at Climb Chiropractic Sport who were here last week, they have an event on November 3rd. Yes. We're running that as well. That's the Action Against Alzheimer's. That's 9 a.m. to 2. So The Move-a-thon. So that's going to be cool. It's going to be like a, da a dance-a-thon, but yeah. with yoga. Still yoga classes. And, and that's sort of what we want to get into, too, is is people coming in and, and, and hosting events there. Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, we have the Yogathon. Um, the week after that, I think um, our good friend Zeno, who moved on to the oh, yeah. city, Zeno's come up. He wants him. to do a show. Um, we're doing a fundraiser for my niece who struggles with lupus. So we're doing a lupus fundraiser. Mm. And um, it's cool because, you know, all of these things just came up because of a need that people we know are like, hey, and Nick and Ashley were just like, hey, we want to raise money and do a yoga thon. I'm like, cool. Zeno sent us a, a DM on Twitter. I was like, I want to come up and play a show. Cool. So. I'm still That's waiting, great. just so you know, by the way, I'm still waiting for you and Heather and Julie Dukes and Aaron to do the, the For the Gals podcast. The girl cast? Yeah, the girl cast. I'm still waiting for you guys to do it. We I know should. You're very Maybe busy. over the winter, it'll be time. Yeah. And I got to ask, just to make you stressed out, because I have sure. it here. Have you guys thought about Passport for next year? Have you, come any, have, you, have you had any discussions at all about Passport? I'm just curious if it's even... No, I can't think about that. <laughs> all right, good. One more... Oh, you know what? I do have you here, and I got to ask you, because I've had a lot of arguments with Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson about the show The Good Place. Which I, I watched so much of it okay. last night. <laughs> I am really, you know, we talked about this over the weekend and you said you got to give it a couple more episodes and uh, I, I have been, I'm like one episode away from finishing season one. Yeah. This is an important one and, I'm, and I will not do any spoilers. I won't talk anymore about it right now because it's important that you watch this episode and then afterwards we can discuss it. I've actually, last time Sarah Foster was on here, she told me that she had never seen Friends, and she was in the process of watching Friends. I think that this is going to be the next uh, podcast idea going forward. I'm going to bring people on when they've just watched something that I've already seen, and we're going to do, like, the recap, the show with them. I like that. I'm going to do Sarah Foster with Friends, and then when you finish Good Place, we're going to do You and Me Above Good Place. All right? Cool. I thought, it's funny, you know how when you start watching a show, your, your mindset is just, like really parallel with concepts from the show. Like today, I had to drive from my work, which is all the way in Areskine Boulevard in Waynesboro, yeah. to PJ Green, which is right by mm-hmm. Handshake City. And as I was driving back and forth on the boulevard with the traffic, I go, this would be my bad place. This if is I it. had to go to the bad place, and like I'm, in, I'm thinking yeah. of this in my head, I'm like, if I had to go to the bad place, it would be driving up and down Areskine Boulevard. So I think my bad place in that scenario would be, I used to have to drive from JFK Middle School to Utica like six times a day, and that going over... Either North Genesee Street or the Arterial, that many times yep. started to become the bad place. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't yeah. take it anymore. But yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing up and right. get chat about it. Good. We'll talk more about it then. I will let you yep. go. I appreciate you coming in today. For sure. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Hey, listen, you guys have been doing killer work down there. I'm super excited. Uh, I like being involved. It's great. It's been, it really is, it's a lot of times I, I tell Justin that his ideas are insane. When he first <laughs> showed me this idea, when he was using... Jingle blocks and Tetris pieces. I still thought he was insane. Yeah, he's still a little insane, but well, this is the this, is, this was a good one you guys came <laughs> yeah. up with. I gotta say, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm very impressed and very proud of you guys as Thanks. always. Uh, yeah, I've done it without you guys. So I listen. It's just nice to be around and help. I wish I was. I wish I was around more. All right, All right. that's enough love fest. We'll uh, we'll hang out and drink coffee. See everybody Sunday for yes. fall calling for you to go. Twelve to four. An awesome autumn event. I'm excited. I'm excited, and we're back to the show in just a moment. And again, we're back after a long interview break. Thank you once again, Marianne Buttonshawn. Check out uh, the website, MarianneForNYAssembly.com or her Facebook page. I'll link everything to it. And again, thanks to Kate Riley, the Queen Bay of Maiden Utica. Always a pleasure. 
to have her on the show. Uh, in between our sections here, Heather had a um, had to go. Had to got go. Called she had away. To go. Got called away. So nothing uh, serious though. Heather's all right. Everything's okay. But uh, she got called away. Family. So it's just us. It's just you and me again. Just us. Just you and me. All right. And that's fine because I didn't have history lessons today. We had two interviews, but I had mm-hmm. a lot of uh, sort of. Do you weird... think she left because she was mad that you didn't have history lessons? <laughs> It's a good chance. Do you think she was really upset? She's like, you know what? If you're not going to bother having history lessons, I'm not staying. That's a great point. I didn't put the time in for the... Interesting. So a couple stories I wanted to sort of dig through with you that uh, I don't really knew... I didn't really know what else to cover them. Sure. Uh, There are two movies that are uh, one and two in America right now. Can you guess what they are? I can. What are they? I'm guessing one of them is A Star is Born. Yes, that's correct. And I'm also guessing that the other one is Venom. That's correct. The two uh, biggest releases in America right now. Weirdly, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised by this, Venom is the number one movie in America. It made $80 million over the weekend, and A Star is Born made about 56.7. Now, why does that surprise you? Everything I've read about A Star is Born for the last month and a half has hyped up this movie as like an automatic Oscar guarantee. It's going to be up for Oscars. Gaga's a revolution. Bradley Cooper's a star. I've been just hearing so much buzz about this movie, and all the early buzz I've heard about Venom is that it's like mediocre. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if that matters. Number one, Venom is is one of the the larger characters in the pantheon who's got like a really hardcore, dedicated fan base. Um, there's been so much promo for it. I think comic book movies, especially right now, are an easier sell than anything else. You know, mm. what I mean, comic book movies automatically have a built-in audience because people will go just to hate watch it. Yeah, you know what I that's mean. True. And people have more dedicated Venom fans, um, so I'm not surprised to see it come out ahead. I would be willing to bet by even by next week, and certainly in the next three or four weeks, they will have certainly flip flop positions. Yeah, a that's star, true. A Star is Born seems like one of those movies that's going to be. A little bit more of a slow burn with the public. You know what I mean? Like, I think it'll be in the last longer. for longer. Yeah, 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 for and sure. it might end up doing better in the long run. But stuff like Venom, especially in today's climate, is, you know, a slam dunk, especially once they get it out into, you know, China and different countries and stuff like that. But I've heard, I can't remember where I read it, it might have been on The Ringer or somewhere like that. They were talking about Venom as an automatic first ballot. Uh, good bad, bad movie. movie. <laughs> yeah, top. We're like it's a bad movie, but it's like a bad movie that's fun to watch. I've actually read a lot of content about Venom, mm-hmm. which is just sort of debating Tom Hardy in general. Yeah. A, I read an article today that was like, why does Tom Hardy just cover his face in all these movies? What's his obsession with like not showing his face? Right, uh-huh. he seems to be pretty common. <laughs> Uh, I, look, I get a lot of my. I believe when it comes to movie stars, it's an interesting concept, right? Okay. If you go back to, like, the 70s and the 80s and stuff, you would go see a movie just because a person is in it, right? Like, if there was a Dustin Hoffman movie that came out, people would go see, oh, Dustin Hoffman's got a movie out. Mm -hmm. Now I think it's more about, like, IP, right? Like, a star could be in a garbage movie and the movie will still be garbage, right? You see, Mm -hmm. like, these teen movies that always have, like, a big star in it, like Sigourney Weaver or someone would be in it for, like, 10 minutes. But like the movie's still trash, right? You don't go to see that movie because you like Sigourney Weaver. I think there's there's still some people who are in that older movie star style where, like, I think a guy like... Um, DiCaprio? Uh, DiCaprio, certainly, to some degree. Yeah. Um, Christian Bale's kind of that way. There's a few other people. But I think uh, Will Ferrell mm. is a really good example. People will go see whatever junk yeah. he trots out, um, whatever goes on. But there's certainly people mm. like that. But I think you are right now. Well, especially because now we have more access to reviews and to content and to a better understanding so we can make a more informed, whether rightly or wrongly, decision yeah. about a movie before we go see it. Whereas back in the 70s and 80s, you had less to go on. You couldn't go read 35 blogs and see what people thought of the movie. You just had to be like, ah, well, you know, Tom Cruise, he's usually all right. Let's go. I have to admit, yeah, I'm totally sure that A Star is Born is an excellent movie and it's better than Venom. 
But over the last two weeks, reading all these like weird up and down pieces about Venom and just everyone saying that Star is Born is awesome, I'm actually more intrigued to see Venom now because there's like this weird variance in the reviews I'm reading. I think that that would I would expect that you would always be though. It's a little it's a broader. I mean, for us, it's different. We have more. We liked Venom when well, we were kids, you, right? Like, well, you and you and I also diverge in the in the sense that. You're more open, not that I'm not open, but you're more gassed generally for a musical than I am. Or for music numbers, performance, yeah. you know what I mean? That's this a little more up your alley. Me. This isn't like a musical. Not a musical musical though. the way like somebody like La La Land was, but it's definitely like a performance movie. More like an almost famous type thing where there's music. No, because I th- I bet there's going to be full songs. In there were full song. songs in Almost Famous, weren't there? No. Didn't they have the? I, they I don't had know, like I, one I song, maybe, but like it was. I mean, like there's going to be Elton John. That's there's going to be like performance performances yeah. in this movie. You know what I mean? Uh, I did hear one story that tickled me during this whole run, which was that uh, Lady Gaga fans have been accused of writing fake negative reviews of uh-huh. Venom in support of A Star Is Born. Amazing. That's great fandom right there. <laughs> Just it's one of those things where it's like you know what? Yeah, whatever, kids, go get nuts. Go ahead. Do you think, kids? I love it. Uh, I'm excited to see Venom, but I'm yeah. also I'm a large, large scale Tom Hardy mark. I'll watch anything oh, Tom yeah. Hardy's in. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think that's what we were saying. Like, you might get more mileage out of Venom because you like Tom Hardy in the same way that I got more mileage out of Guardians of the Galaxy two because I'm a Kurt Russell maniac, right? Oh, like, you are a maniac for Kurt Russell. He's in all the movies I like. I don't know what you want me to say. Like every movie Russell. he's in, he's good. We just saw Bone Tomahawk. He was good in that. Bone Tomahawk, pretty wild. That's a wild movie. Pretty wild movie. Yeah. Oh, and I don't want to cut in, but even Tom Hardy hates the Venom script, just to let you know. Oh, yeah, Justin Parkinson popping in to say that Tom Hardy doesn't like the Venom script. I do actually... Which makes me more excited to see <laughs> it. Because no. I think what he's referencing is I read an article, basically, where he said that they cut 40 minutes out of the movie, which mm-hmm. were his favorite, like, 40 minutes... He walked out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I heard the I heard the forty minutes they cut were all like weird, like dark humor, yeah, like dark bizarre, humor. Like Tom Hardy's kind of a weirdo. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I think I think I'm actually kind of glad that this movie's doing well because I had a feeling that this was going to be a bomb and people were going to like shit on well, Tom let's Hardy. See, right? Let's see what the the next couple weeks do. It's true. There's a lot of movies that have come out really strong with openings that have you know fallen mm-hmm. out of theaters in a couple of weeks. Pretty much every movie in the DC catalog comes mm-hmm. to mind. Yeah, it's true. So with the exception of like what, Wonder Woman's the one good movie they've made. I mean, yeah, if you don't count the you Christian know, Bale Batman movies, right? If you're not counting Yeah, no, of course that, we don't. Yeah. Of course we don't. They can't have those. <laughs> they can't have those. Let me ask you. We don't really do end-of-year lists. Has there been any particular movies? We used to. Did we used to do We did, yeah. Lists? First, yeah, we just It's hard to do end-of-year lists because everyone does them. Have you, anything this well, it's year hard to do end-of-year lists because it's not always the end of the year, to be fair. That's a good point, yeah. Thought, <laughs> is there any particular movies you feel like you saw this year that you are like you were gassed about? I feel like I didn't see much this year. I watch so many movies on streaming that, that what happens to me a lot of times is I'll see a movie, I'm like, oh, this is movie of the year. And it's like, oh, this came out a year and a half ago. I'm like, oh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Like, I was just going to say It, but that came out, what, last yeah, fall now? last fall. Um, nothing that really – I would have to look at a list probably to see That's what fair. has come out this year for something that I really enjoyed. I'm trying to think of the last thing I went to see in the theaters. I saw Star Wars in the theater, which is not the last thing I've seen in theaters, but it's the last thing I can remember seeing in the theaters. I definitely went to go see some crap with my... Oh, no, I saw Jurassic World, mm-hmm. the sequel there, yeah, yeah. which was not good. I went to see It, but I'm trying to think. That might have been the last fun. time. Except that, for the soup lady. You know what I went to see? I went to see A Quiet Place. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to see that A Quiet Place was awesome. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. You're uh, Again, we're getting into Halloween time. Scary movies, man. This is the I time love scary movies. I've been yeah. watching a lot of scary movies. I've, I, almost, I was thinking about getting... 
I got to figure out what the monthly is, but I was thinking about they do a seven day free trial to Shutter. Oh yeah, I know which about the streaming service yeah, yeah. actually got like because when you look at uh, Netflix, Amazon, HBO, um, and even you know from what I've heard with Hulu as well, there's not really a ton of great horror movies. A lot of no, you're the, right. a lot of the the large scale like the big tent pole like a lot of the Halloween franchise, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm mm. Street, Texas Chainsaw. All keep their stuff off of streaming. Yeah. And you'll catch them from time to time. Amazon had a bunch of the Friday the 13th, but I think they might have taken them off. And so horror movies are kind of hard to come by. Um, but I will probably go see the new Halloween movie, which comes out on my birthday. I will say, and I feel like uh, we should go see that movie. I'm into it. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I, I know I've been putting over The Ringer a lot because we've been talking about – we've referenced like at least three Ringer articles in this episode. Sure. But The Ringer on uh, their podcast stream is doing a really excellent – long-form, eight-part podcast about the first Halloween movie that's got all sorts of cool interviews yeah, yeah. with John Carpenter, who I've decided over the last few weeks is now my favorite director. He's your guy, yeah. my guy. I've decided John Carpenter is my guy. love all his movies. He makes all his own music for the movies, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's the part that really gets me. Is that, like, I was laughing because he said something in an interview that I'm sure you read, but I, it was very relatable, and it made me <laughs> laugh and think about, like, Austin, everybody we know, and he's like... Yeah, you know, I'd like to, you know, direct some more movies, get back into directing. He's like, but I'm just so distracted. My life is so full by the NBA and video games. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Just like, yeah, that's pretty. Carpenter. That's pretty spot That's on. my guy. Uh, so we went longer on that than I thought we would, but let's uh, let's run through a couple quick things. Well, that's our old school bread and butter. The pop culture, the movies, the chit chat. Did we talk about Banksy at all? The canvas shredding stuff? Hilarious. I, let's get into it. For folks Hilarious. who haven't seen this. Uh Street performance? What do you call him? He's just a mysterious artist. artist. He's a street artist, graffiti artist. Uh, Banksy had a piece for sale. It was the famous piece of the girl holding the red balloon. Holding the heart balloon, yeah. Yeah. The stencil, yeah. Uh, It sold for, the number's in pounds over here. It's like $1.3 million US. Yeah, yeah. At At an auction at Sotheby's, the famous auction house. Yeah, and as uh, as the auction went final... A booby trap. So, it, so he put. So they put the picture in a frame, and at the bottom of the frame, he built in a paper shredder. Oh my god! It was activated by remote control. So this thing's hanging up in the Sotheby's London Art Gallery <laughs> auction house, and some some jerk with way too much money is like, "Yeah, one point three million dollars for that thing that you know I oh, can make man. myself off a YouTube tutorial, but I need the clout in my squad." And so as soon as they pay that one point three million, gavel goes down, auction is done. Somebody's there, whether he was actually there, yeah. Banksy himself, or one of his people was there, activates this shredder. And so it's a really compelling live video because these yeah. people are like, oh, my God, like, well, it's happening. And this piece of paper just starts dropping through the bottom of the frame and coming out the bottom shredded. And, like, it's shredded, like, halfway. And now the craziest thing about it, like, besides the stunt and all that stuff, is now the people who arbitrarily decide what art is worth – Say that this like jumped the value up like exponentially. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I was thinking about wild. that. I think that this actually is one of the. It's a troll job, mm-hmm. but it's it's one of the most impressive. Like you will remember my name as an artist forever. Moments like people talk about this moment for Banksy for the rest of his career. It'll be like the thing that they defines him as an artist. Oh I yeah! Feel like right, at least mm-hmm. one of the things that defines him is right. Like calling mm-hmm. to. Calling into question the absurdity of, like, what is art and how you value art. And it's really interesting. And well, and that, that's that been his whole thing, you know, since the yeah. beginning. Because I was always – I've always been really interested in graffiti artists, street mm. artists and stuff. And so I've been following, you know, Banksy. He put out that first book called Wall and Peace um, over 10 years ago now. And we've been following along. And he put out the excellent documentary uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Yep. Which if Great. you haven't seen, Wonderful. you definitely should. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people talk about that and think that that's a work. Mm. And they think that, like, he basically invented and put that Mr. Brainwash guy up to it. And so he's always yeah. got 
really interesting trollish ways to mm. make commentary about the nature of art and society. Mm. And so just another in a long list, but yeah, I think it's it's super cool. And it was, it was really interesting story. One of the coolest stories of the week, I would say. <coughs> For me, at least. Mm. Uh, another interesting story this week. Reported New York City mobster fatally shot at McDonald's drive-thru, reports say. Pretty, pretty crummy way to go if you're a mobster. Yeah, McDonald's it's, I mean, pretty, pretty far away from, you know, Paul Castellano getting shot with the ace of spades in his hand on that porch eating, like, Neapolitan-style yeah, pizza. Yeah, like, like Sonny, you know, in, like, in Goodfellas, that, or not Goodfellas, in, uh, in Godfather. That's the one that gets you, like, just mm. getting killed at the... At the, well, at the stop, I think right? about because the drive-thru, you're boxed in. Boxed you get a car in. in front of you, behind you, where are you going to go? It's a great point. I think about that when I go to the ATM. Sometimes, like, you know, someone could just be in front of me and back of me and just rob you with the ATM, I feel like, with the drive-up ATM. And, like, For sure. Banks. For All sure. the banks got cameras, but still, you know what I mean? The point yeah, is, yeah, yeah. it exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drive-thru, man. Nowhere safe. Don't mess with the mob. Don't yeah, nowhere safe mob. if you're in the mafia. Yeah, yeah don't for be sure. in the mafia. Don't be in the mafia. Uh... So a couple months ago, we reported that Toys R Us was going out of business. Uh, they're back, baby. Like a phoenix what? from the ashes. That's they're right. Uh, Toys R Us cancels bankruptcy auction. Uh, plans to revive the brand out of record records this week. What are they even talking about? I think the move for them would be to revive the brand as an online-only thing, maybe. How? What? Why? Though? How do? If you're going to be online only, then what? You're you're basically Amazon at that point. So what do you? What's the Amazon just for toys, right? Amazon doesn't have the same kind. You can still search like Lego Harry Potter on Amazon. Just I guess you're right. In the other bar, you know. Well, apparently we 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 were all sad the Toys R Us is leaving. Apparently they're not totally done. They're going to come back. I've had it with them. This wishy washy. No, I'm I'm all the way out on Toys R Us. (laughs) Uh, I did have one story that was mostly for Heather. which was for us to comment about how I read an article that dogs apparently get depressed if their owners use their cell phones too much. This is a scientific report. Yeah, they don't pay attention to them. 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's a thing. That's, I've seen some depressed. Well, because it's even like you notice like when the cat comes over, right? Yeah. And the cat wants attention. Like these animals can tell if you're just side petting them while looking at your phone. Yes. They're still you know social animals. They need eye contact. They need actual engagement. Yeah. So yeah. New study shows dogs may become more anxious and suffer from depression when their owners overuse their cell phones. Mm-hmm. So. Guys, stop, you know, stop being, play with your dog, play with your dog, play with your dog and cat. Uh, yeah, so let's, I was going to, let's, uh, let's get some sports stuff in. I have a few quick sports stories. Okay. Uh, and then we'll call it a day. Um, all right, good stuff. Let's start with this one. Ryder Cup last week. This is a weird sports story. Was that golf? Yeah, golf. All right. Did you see that there is a spectator at the Ryder Cup whose eyeball exploded because he got hit in the face with a golf ball? This is the weirdest story I've read. That she's taking legal action against the course. Yes, uh, she was. Yes, you should. Yeah, take legal action against everybody. You explode uh, my eyeball at your event. Riders Cup spectators consider taking legal action against tournament organizers after she is blinded in one eye by a stray Brooks Kepka drive. Uh, the injury was not thought to be serious at first. However, the fan now says she suffered an explosion of the eyeball and has lost sight out of one eye. More than anything, I want them to take care of all the medical bills and make sure there is no risk of infection, is what she said. Uh, the 28-year-old Kepka said he feels terrible for hitting the woman. I feel like this story ends up with him paying her medical bills, right? Everybody's paying her medical yeah. bills. Yeah. Well, so in something like this, I think the with the amount of money that, you know, any I don't know where the, the event was held, but any golf club large enough to hold a major PGA event is certainly, a, you know, a well-endowed golf club. And I yeah. think between, you know, the, the actual course where it was hosting the PGA, there's more than enough money to easily pay. Like, I think it's not even a yeah. question that, that you're going to pay the legal bills. 
And I think there's probably no question that they're going to have to settle for some damages as well. Oh, yeah. But even still, you know what I mean? It's a it's a drop in the bucket and you're going to have to because the PR of trying to fight that is in no way, shape, or form worth it. For oh, yeah. No, no. What it comes to pocket change yeah. for you. The question is, say it's a, say it's a, say she gets $2 million. Yeah. Right? Say she gets $2 million in a settlement. Are you giving up the use of one eye for $2 million? No, any more than that, I think. One eye? Yeah. Two million? I think one of the, the important PGA has I think, so much money. For sure. They have so much money. For sure, but I don't. So like two million is I think you aim so, higher than that. Are you of course you aim. You, you aim, aim higher you aim than for two hundred million. Yeah. yeah but I'm saying yeah, for like sure. if, if a genie yeah. came down to you and was like, We're gonna take one of your eyes and you're gonna have two million and we'll just just to make it easier for a thought experiment, we'll cut out all taxes, well, all of the trash. Two million just straight up. It's important to know that I am blind. As Which it is, is. It? you've got one already, really bad yeah, eye. Anyway. My eye's already bad as so it you is. You give him the bad so, eye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like for me, for two million dollars, yeah, I mean, take the eye. I think the only question is if you patch. look, if you look all mangled and horrifying, like you get a glass eye or patch. Tough, but yeah, maybe you get a glass like eye. Snake from and look, like. Oh, and what the hell do I care if I've got an eye patch or a lazy glass eye? Because I've got two million dollars. As a Kurt Russell fan, he had a patch in Escape from New York. He was Snake. Unbelievable so how I you're can, able to make yeah. almost everything in your life about Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Yeah, no, it's true. It's mm-hmm. true. Uh, all right, I, mean, I, think, I think you take that trade. But yeah, I think you take the trade. Hopefully, this this woman gets paid out. You know, gets her money, and that's tough. I can't imagine. You know, it's. Similar to almost, you know, certainly not the same scale of horror, but like, you know, even talking about when we were talking about the limo crash in the first segment and stuff like that, it really drives home the point that you can be out there just having a wonderful day, not expecting anything. You leave your house being like, I'm just chilling and have your life irrevocably altered throughout the course of the day. You know, it really drives the point home. All right. I got heavier than I thought it would. Yeah, you know. All right, here we go. One more sports story. This one's light, though. It finally happened. Yo, it's a work. It, you think it's a, you think it's a I work? Think it's a work. Go ahead. Kyrie Irving uh, oh. offered a simple oh, message. Oh, this is different. This no, is, this what is I different. Think we were talking about uh, Kyrie Irving offered a simple message to science teachers Monday. I'm sorry, says the Boston Celtics star. Uh, made clear that he regrets publicly saying that the Earth is flat. To all science teachers, everyone coming up to me like, you know, I have to reteach my whole curriculum. I'm sorry, Irving says as the room uh, attended his session laughing. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, he said he's since learned certain thoughts are best kept to, quote, intimate conversations. Uh, listen, I'm very happy about this. The non-apology as, apology. I'm very happy about this because I definitely have had conversations about Flat Earth where kids have referenced Kyrie Irving. And I go, you have to know he's trolling you, right? Like, I understand that you're trolling me now by doing this, but I need you to tell me that you understand the world isn't flat, right? So I'm glad that this happened and I'm allowed to enjoy Kyrie more when he comes to the Knicks next year. That's my mm, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. uh, he's not. No, I know. He came right out and said he's re-signed with Boston already. I know. Um, what about the, you want to talk about the McGregor thing? I didn't have it written down. We can. That's what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Are you talking about McGregor and uh, Khabib having the fight, which is definitely a work. It has to yeah, be. Yeah, definitely. A- and I've, I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, no way. It's not a work. He doesn't need the money. No, UFC uh, needs the money. No, yeah, 100%. Like, <laughs> Dana White meets with Vince McMahon all the time, and I've had like, like a decent uh, acquaintance of the podcast. Steve is always like, he's like, oh, you know, he's going to lose his work visa. And Dana White mm-hmm. said it was the worst. To rep, rep, rep. I, I thought, don't believe it for a second. I thought the thing that was the most... What's well, too much wrestling. The, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. I think the thing that was most weird about it to me was simply the fact that, like, you could tell that the announcers, when it was happening, if you listen to the commentary, were really excited because of all the exposure this was very clearly going to get, but they had to pretend that they weren't. 
Right? They had to be right. like, this is disgraceful. It's like, but it's like, this is disgraceful. The punches are flying. It's like, mm, you don't seem too disgraced. Yeah. yeah you're sound, you're sound like Jim Ross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By God, he's killed him. Right? Like, I, God is my witness. That man is broken in half. Uh, and it, it just made me laugh to watch like Dana White and all these like athletes and UFC people sort of come out and have to do like the, we don't condone this. It's like, bro, well, it's work. more people are talking about the UFC today than at any point in time in the last four months. Since the last time Conor McGregor threw a bar stool through this guy's bus window same guy you're definitely this getting a work yeah it's definitely like, i don't and like I, I said maybe i'm cynical from too many years no, no. Of like pro think, wrestling and no all you're totally stuff, you're on point because i think actually for the ufc yeah. until people catch on this is the way for them to get more attention is 100%. Take, they even did go back do to the same thing that, re, that wrestling did in the 80s where people yeah. were like is this real is this what's going they on they did the thing even a month and a half ago where uh daniel cormier wins a match and what do you know brock lesnar's already out in the ring waiting somehow. for him yeah. somehow it's like come on guys uh-huh. all right or even um, when John Jones, when he made that announcement at the end of his thing, and he's like, Brock Lesnar, I'll see you next. And like, I can't believe he said that. It's like, I knew he was going to say you that. Did. All right, and I guess one last one. Uh, Justin, you playing golf in there? Yeah. Stick your head in for one second. Stick your head in, just because we, uh, we won't get in too much of it, just because the game starts in 10 minutes. Uh, Justin... Thanks for joining me for just a minute as I pull you away from golfing. I was second place and I just triple bogeyed, so I'm down to fifth. Oh, there you go, <laughs> playing, so. playing golf on soccer. Yeah. Uh, it is one-to-one in the American League Division Series between your beloved Boston Red Sox and Kevin and I's beloved New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. We are ten minutes away from the start of Game 3, so when people hear this, the show, the game will already be over. Yeah, yeah. But let's make some, some predictions for what we expect for the rest of this series since we have all three of us here for a moment. Uh... You seemed pretty convinced, Justin, early on last week that the Yankees were going to win one game and then lose the rest. Yeah. Is that still how you feel? Yeah, I had the Red Sox in four, and we talked already it's working out to the way that I kind of thought. I thought mm-hmm. the Yankees would get a game where they bopped a bunch, and then the rest would be, like even game one, it was closer than the score they crawled back, but I, I think there's going to be a lot of five fours, two ones, but it won't be... It'd be five nothing for half the game, mm-hmm. and then you know what I mean. Like I think there's going to be a couple of those where I, I think the Red Sox are going to get ahead of the Yankees enough, and then just defend if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where the games come off closer, but I just think it's going to be a four game series. I don't know why. I just it's going to leave the Yankees feeling like they should have beat them, but they don't. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. that's the series I've been setting up for. Is that especially two in New York? I could see the Red Sox winning both, ending their season at home into to New York, where mm-hmm. all this stuff is built up. It's just it's a reverse of roles where I think the evilness of the Red Sox, right, like it's just going to prevail. Like they're in the different See, position now. Is like they're the better team and it's just going to work itself out. I think it's funny that the Red Sox. You think the Red Sox are the better team? For sure. 100%. 100%. I think okay. it's interesting that this big budget Red Sox team with all the money they spent mm-hmm. yeah, really yeah. doesn't have the same panache mm-hmm. as this young, gritty, oh, upstart, rebuilding. The money is different. Raise your hand if your team avoided the luxury tax this season. <laughs> me, me. We've been waiting for 25 yeah. years to be able to say this, so the we one, had a yeah. basket in a little They're bit. Like $4,000 under or something. Why? <laughs> no, they're still under. They're still under. No, wait, they're they're, they're, they're $4,000 what? Under. 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 Interesting. But it doesn't matter who, in terms of whatever team loses is going to feel like they were probably better or should have done better for the season. They they all spend a lot of money and they both geared themselves up to have played What's your, each other in the next round. Let me round. let me ask you a question. What's your biggest um as a Red Sox guy, what's your biggest concern about the Red Sox for the rest of the thing? Like what's the one area? Uh 
So what, what's your what's bad your luck. biggest concern area, and bad why is it the bullpen? Happen where Nunez is going to have two errors randomly. Mm-hmm. That's what when he yeah. doesn't play. You worried third. about your, you worried about your bullpen? Fielding. No, I'm worried about fluke, interesting fluke stuff. I'm not worried about the bullpen. Really? Yeah. No, they're uh, they're fine. They've been mm-hmm. fine all year. I mean, it might feel like Cora overmanages a little bit, and but that's an analytic guy. Interesting so I think the bullpen I think comes off looking worse just because they only put him in spots, so I it's read, easy to blow a spot. Yeah, yeah. I read somewhere a, that um, this is like the first time that two rookie managers, yeah, have yeah. met. In Baseball a is different series, now. It's all analytics. Wild. Nobody manages. They just take yeah. a piece of paper before the game starts and says, if a lefty's on a lefty, I'm going to Evaldi, mm-hmm. and that's it. You know what I mean? Like these decisions are pre made before this game even started. So that's my nervousness with the Red Sox is that they're going to get so by the books that they're just right. going to stick with data, data, data that doesn't overcompensate for Nunez booting a ball that puts Judge on base to let another couple of runs go in when they were only down two. You know what I mean? Like stupid shit like that. Like where's your computer there when the guy boots the ball? Like yeah. that's what's going to cost the Red Sox is human error mm-hmm. because all of their other stuff is right by the book. Like if everything goes according to the data, no one's going to beat them. They have like physically one of the – most efficiently built baseball teams that we've probably ever seen. Like, and they built it that way based on analytics. But if you buy into data or if you buy into just people playing baseball, well, that was something that's I, a 50 I read a really you know? interesting quote from, I think it was Zach Britton, Yankees reliever, who came over this season. He was talking about how he's like, he's like, it's crazy to see because you know, some of the teams in Yankees and Red Sox mm-hmm. are definitely two of those teams in Houston as well who are so analytics forward. Yep. He's like, the, honestly, the craziest thing about coming to the Yankees is just the amount of data available. Yep. He's like, before every game, I get a personalized packet. He's like, I don't remember what team he played for before, but he was Orioles, like, yeah. yeah, he was like, it's just night and like, day to what these teams classic, are doing. Like, yeah, really though, the game he was saying, shit out of it, yeah. and he was talking about, he's like, I'm getting packages breaking down different, you know, swings and looks and everything, yep. and it's just really crazy yep. to see. So, so yeah, human errors <laughs> going to come into the Yankees Red Sox thing. I think they're both going to be playing so. So much by these analytics that's almost going to make the games miserable to watch. Yeah, um, that you have to hope that Nunez boots a couple balls to spice it up a little. You, do you know, know what I mean? Thought, like, do you know what I thought was crazy? That you know, I mean, it's true, but I didn't when I when I first heard it, it didn't seem like it could possibly be correct. That this is the first time the Yankees and Red Sox have met in the playoffs since two thousand four. So I can yeah. explain that. Um, because of That's the way what I was telling right, people, yeah, because yeah. the way the playoffs work, like you would not have gotten two American League East teams playing until they got to the championship right, to series, avoid right? Because yeah. before they added the play-in yeah. game, the rule used to be that if you were the wild card and you were from the right, same, same division, division yeah, you couldn't move, meet. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's really the reason, and I think that to a certain extent, I think that because the series is five games, there is a high level of like weird variance. I would be, mm-hmm. I would be more certain one way or the other. In a seven-game series. But even in a five-game series, I feel like the team who's not better can win in yeah. five games. Well, even just Houston. You know? Houston's not three games better that fast than Cleveland, but they yeah. are because it's over. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's all it took was three games to finish it, but... Cleveland probably. I think Cleveland was a bit of a paper tiger this season. Uh, anyway. Their division, their division really, was historically really, bad. Well, the staff was good, but they didn't show up in the. Yeah, in the, but that's the thing too. Yeah. But it only takes one, one yeah. week, and you're done. You know what I mean? True. Like it's Cleveland. Cleveland's a good team. Cleveland's a real, and they haven't had to be good because their division was so bad. But they're pitching. They had four guys yeah. with 200 strikeouts. First mm-hmm. time ever. First right. time ever. Let me. And they're uh, out of the. They're out of the playoffs in three games. Doesn't me, matter now. Let me get this question for each of you, and then we got to wrap up here, uh, Kev. As a Yankee fan, who is the Red Sox who scares you the most and the most underrated Yankee going forward? Like, who who is the, the sleeper Yankee and who's the Red Sox you're the most afraid of? Uh, Martinez. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez yeah. is the one I'm most afraid of. 
Um, I mean, he literally single-handedly won that game one. Um, mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's a beast. Um, he, him, and I'll tell you what, that Kimbrell can throw the ball, too. Ooh, They're closer. He's got some, he's that got Kimbrell, some kick. That Kimbrell can throw the gas. Um, underrated, because he's been getting dogged, but it's tough to call him underrated after game two, is uh, El Gary. Gary Sanchez. Oh, yeah, Gary Sanchez. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, underrated, people won't realize, and it's becoming, it's tough in the playoffs because every, especially with two teams under such large media microscopes, because the narratives get built up, but I'm a big Luke Voigt guy. Voigt. Huge Luke Voigt guy. Voigt. Parkinson, same question for you. What Yankee scares you the most, and what uh, Red Sox is not getting enough credit? I can, I think Yankee I can answer the Red scares. Sox one. See, I think, see, again, like, I think that this is going to be I thought your answer would be Batances. No, it's going to be like the... He's un- lights out right nah, now. Um, I think it's the guy that... You, it's going to be... Judge. Both of the guys are going to be ones that you don't expect, though. It's going to be one of those things... Like, Nunez... It's going to be one of those... Like, I'm, but not, if, I'm not scared of the current roster because I think the... Re- like, you know what you're getting. Gardner doesn't scare you? Gardner no, pissed but that, me. See, what yeah, scares yeah. me is there's a guy like Gardner who's going to come in in the seventh. So, walk, who, Steal a base. If, like, you, if you had to pick one guy in the Yankees roster who you're least excited to see on the field against your Red Sox... I think it's almost got to be Gardner. He's that. It's got to be Judge. It's got to be Judge just because he's hitting right yeah, now. Yeah, Gardner's uh, not hitting five hundred foot moonshots. I'm comfortable. Like, I like. I'm okay with Judge. The, um, in the sense though, like McCutcheon's hitting in front of him, and then like some scrub mm-hmm. in the nine hole. Like he's not doing damage. He's hitting mm-hmm. solo shots. It's fine. Like that's totally mm-hmm. fine. Uh, and some scrub is Brett Gardner. Right, but yeah. he's not hitting. He hit two solo mm-hmm. shots so far. Like that's manageable. Like he's not. That's not scary ish. Like he has, they're not getting people on base. I think what. But one of these days they might. Yeah. And that's Especially what they don't too. bring people in when they're on base. Who you they got? Solo shots. Who you got? Slick Porcello pitching yeah. tomorrow night. All right. So all right. Boldy today. That might be trouble. But the series will definitely be over by the time uh, people hear this uh, next week's episode. Mm-hmm. So Kev, what's your prediction on the way out? How is this series going to end? How many games? Who's winning it? How's it go out? Um. I mean, ideally. Let's just let's not go back to Boston. Two games. Nobody wants more. to ship up to Boston. Let's just play that Sinatra and end it in the Bronx, where you know uh, hmm. men are men and fans are fans. Um, but yeah, either way, I hope that uh, certainly I hope the Yankees win. As a Yankees fan, I feel very good about where we are right now. Um, mm-hmm. I like I, both these teams are so good, right? And both these teams have had great seasons oh, and yeah. everything like that. No, so great, great I team. can see it breaking. Obviously, I can make a case for how it breaks either way. And I think mm-hmm. that's when any sports playoffs are the best, when you're like, I know what I want, but I don't know what's definitely going to happen. But as a Yankees fan, I will say I'm not worried. I'm not uncomfortable. And I like the way it looks for us for the rest of the season. So I'll play that Sinatra. See, that's good because I think this is like a false confidence that they have. Like Judge trying to play music. when he's, like I think they're happy as hell that they actually are 1-1 yeah. right now. Okay. And it rubs mm-hmm. off as like, I don't think they think they're going to. Like it's one of, like See, you, you think you're going to win, right? But I think they're like super, super thrilled that they won one of the two games. Like. They don't strike me right now. I think there's a fault, like, because of the, the last series of the season when they were winning when the Red Sox weren't playing anybody, and now these two games, I don't think they're looking at the entire season of the Red Sox just being better than them, even in head-to-head. But the last, I don't know, two weeks or so, it's built up this confidence where it's like, they're not playing this, it's like, interesting it's going to be a harsh reality. It's interesting how what team you like affects the way you look at it. Because yeah. I look at that exact same thing, and I'm like, especially even after that game one, I'm like, if I'm the Red Sox, 
I'm terrified right now. No. See, I think, they, and I think it's funny you say it too, because in my opinion, it's 10 games been, better, but how long was Judge out for? No. I keep thinking that, Don't like, I, a lot of people I the Red keep Sox, thinking man. that the Red Sox fans I'm seeing on the internet and people in the articles are, like, not taking the Yankees seriously enough. No. I see a lot of folks I who would, are just I like, now nah, we're going to kill this team. I'm like, I don't think I, you, all I, these I, dudes are, like, farm boy monsters from the Midwest and they just smash home runs. Maybe. And, like, that's, I, I'll say this. It's going to be a great series. I do think it's going to go five. I think it is going to go back to Boston. I just it feels that way. It does, yeah. Um, and when you go to that kind of game five, it's tough. I think that it's going to be a great series, and whatever team survives is going to get destroyed by the Houston Astros in the next round of the Houston no chance. Astros. Hey, at least forever. No, chance. you think so? No, nah, I think that they're. I think Houston. No chance. Well, better. Yeah, the, that's what makes. talking be. about Houston like they're the Golden State Warriors. They are. They're, they're good. Houston. They're, they're good. Almost, they're they almost already, beat them last year with nobody. They're already both the Yankees and the Red Sox are. Using too many resources already for these first two games, and if it that's goes, a, that's high, a great point. They're yeah. going to waste a lot of resources. We're going into Houston's just going to be a letdown series anyway. Um, Let's I be... think the Red Sox are built to uh, <coughs> play Houston, but I don't think they would beat them over seven. That's like I think I it would be a very good series, but I think Houston would mm-hmm. run New York. I think a good way to end this though, and, I, and I, I'm speaking for myself, but I, I know talking to you boys that you feel it too. It is nice to have the Yankees. And the Red Sox oh my God, playing yeah. postseason baseball against each other again. I like it. It makes me nostalgic for the old days. I don't have the same vitriol I once did, but it's, it's nice to have well, that sort of narrative. I don't care about baseball that way anymore. No, I think either. that's a big so, thing. The Red Sox did lose to the Yankees. Oh, well. But this like, is sort of like a, deal, but. but this, yeah, no, this is, um, this is already pretty timid. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing as like with the Patriots. Like, oh, are you mad if they lose? Not really. But you know, like, you don't care as but much it's probably, anymore. You still get mad life. when Everton loses. Yeah, that's but the it's best. Probably, <laughs> But it's probably fair to say that, you know, even though baseball may not be as enjoyable as it used to be, it's certainly more enjoyable than the Yankees and the Red Sox are facing each other down in October. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And I appreciate and having... Baseball likes it. I appreciate right? having <laughs> Justin as a friend because we're, you know, we were from New York and it's a lot of Yankees fans, you know. And we've got, you know, moderate acquaintance of the podcast, Steve, who is a huge Red Sox fan. But it's nice to have somebody else who can actually get that, yeah. you know... Mm-hmm. Push and pull from and that shit talking that and having fun. Oh, it, my dad, it my, makes it more enjoyable to watch as my, a whole. My dad's a huge Braves fan, <laughs> and uh, he's still the same. Right now. Yeah, and but he's the same way though with sports. And it's kind of as you get older, you like teams, but then you just kind of well, stop, stop following I, them. Because, like they're wheeling out dudes in the bullpen for Boston, I've never heard of. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. So I won't be the first to admit that. Like, yeah, oh, when Brisbane comes in, Boston's I bullpen. I don't know anything about Brisbane. Boston's but bullpen is full of janitors and pretzel nah, makers. Workman is my guy. They're fine. So I want to, this game starting in two minutes. I'm going to go watch it. Uh, I want to thank Marianne Buttonshawn for joining us here this week, episode 172. I want to thank Kate Riley uh, for joining us to talk about Handshake City. Thank Justin Parkinson. Justin Parkinson. Parkinson. Yeah, in like a closer spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. Really the Kimbrel of the Brian. As a closer pitch to the Yankee series yet? Have we gotten to a closer yet? Chapman pitched Chapman. in Kimbrel, game two, but it wasn't. He wasn't a safe Kimbrel, situation. Yeah, Kimbrel, Kimbrel pitched in, in game one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So good. We'll get so a closer in. Yeah. Uh, just my prerequisite, guys, by the time you hear this, it will be too late to register to vote. October 12th is the cutoff day if you want to register Do to it. vote in New York State for the midterm elections. October 12th is the day. Uh, that's it, folks. I would accept a write-in nomination. Yes, Kevin will accept. <laughs> you don't know who to vote for, and I win by the write-in. Yeah. I will accept I'm the people's King word. Justin. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and climate of my work. <laughs> Follow Justin at Maiden Utica. Follow Heather at Heather Waz1. <coughs> follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Dumore. Follow the show at Uticast. Uh, Uticast.com, MaidenUtica.com for all current or back 
episodes. Uh, this weekend coming up, Fall Fest, MadeInUtica.com. Check it out Sunday, 12 to 4. Uh, that's it. Sign our humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, get ready. The winter is coming. I can feel it outside. Thank you once again, Marianne, Kate. We will see you folks next week. Oh, yes. Yes.